My people, my people, Alpha man, it's Corey on the mic, and you're welcome to the Courageous Pod um, slash Two Toby's podcast. Because today we're gonna be we're gonna be having uh, several special guests today. First of all, I have Lady V here with me. Lady V, are you there? Mic check. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Sorry, I reduced okay. my volume. Uh, okay, great, great, great. Um, and then I have another guest who who should be here shortly. Uh, you guys, you all should know about him. If you if you follow all my podcast on uh, Spotify, he goes by the name of Toby, um, and he does the Two Tobys podcast with me. So this is kind of like a combination of the Two Tobys podcast and the Courageous Pod. Um, but he should be here shortly. But it's been a hot minute, my people. Um, it's great to be back. Um, our first topic today. Oh, by the way, that was um, that was that that was true love by uh, XXX Tentacion uh, and Kanye West. That's a recent record that dropped. Um, I'm sure you all know that I'm I'm a big Kanye fan. I also happen to be a fan of XXX Tentacion too. Um, but moving on, our first topic today is Amber Heard and. 
I'm glad I had Lady V here with me because she's been she's been dialed in on this on this whole case, man, um, on the court case. And um, Lady V, can you just give us can you just give us a breakdown of kind of like what happened with the Amber Johnny Depp situation? Okay, so I I was watching the trial practically every day because fortunately I was on vacation during that time. So at least for part of it. So I was um, kind of on it. So let me know if I'm going to (laughs) to details in the recap. But um, so this whole thing started uh, back when um, Deb and Amber got a divorce. I believe it was in 2016. They were married for about a year and a half. Yeah, very short. Um, They got a divorce. And she she had a restraining order taken out on him. Um, the restraining order was very much publicized, and um, it was alleged that Depp was a domestic abuser. He had abused Amber. She took out that restraining order. They came to a settlement on the divorce to the tune of seven million, and Amber did a circuit of like all the media houses at that time. It was kind of very well known that um, she had been in an abusive relationship. And she told the media that she was going to donate the seven million to charity. Now, now, um, sorry, that was when. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry to cut in. Before you go on, wasn't one of the stipulations of the divorce settlement that she wasn't going to air out anything that happened in the relationship? Yes, Te- okay. I think technically it was a non-disparagement clause. Yes, or something. So they agreed that neither of them would say anything disparaging about the other yes. based on what had happened during the relationship. Yeah. Yes. So um, that that was part of the that seven million settlement, but mm-hmm. still, you know, she she went around and kind of told people that this was her experience. Um, she, I think, at, around that time, the Me Too movement was very, you know, that was like the peak of it. Mm-hmm. So she yeah. was kind of held up as like one of the main figures of the Me Too movement. She, she was by the media. She was, yeah. And um, she then wrote an op-ed. That, that's that's, um, that's what I was hoping you'd get to, the op-ed. Yeah. Which was... So the, the op-ed is kind of what then kicked off this case. Because the op-ed pretty much so, insinuated that this guy had been abusive. Do you, do you remember? I mean, I have the op-ed up. I don't, I don't think we need to read through it. But do you, are you familiar with the highlights of that op-ed? Yeah, yeah. There are some key quotes that were read out during the trial. And yes. actually, the defamation case that Deb brought against Amber mm-hmm. actually enumerated the quotes in the article. Yes. There were three counts, and they actually enumerated the quotes in the article. Um, where she, she said that she had... She was held up as um, that she had spoken out against sexual violence and the culture had... Um, she had been a victim of wrath in the culture, yeah. and that has to change, and so and so forth. So um, she actually said in the article two years ago, yeah. I came out to speak out against the domestic abuse I had experienced. And this article came out in 2018. Yeah. So I believe it was in the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. So it was very clear to the, the reader that she was implying this would happen during her marriage yeah. that she had just come out of in 2016 with Johnny Depp. Yes. And and this was kind of what uh, 
kicked off the the suit that Johnny Depp um, filed against her. So he 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 filed for fifty million, I think, in damages, and it's a civil suit, by the way. She filed for like a hundred million, right? Yes, okay. she did a countersuit. So yes. he sued her for defamation. She then countersued him also for defamation, mm-hmm. and then sued for one hundred million in damages. Okay, and um, uh, uh, you know, for those that are wondering, obviously she won the um, Johnny Depp kind of won his his suit. By the way, Toby's here. Toby, can you uh, I, I, can you hear? Can you hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear it. So I have Lady V on on here with us. She's okay. uh she's a regular contributor here on the Courageous Pod. Um, but we're just talking about Amber Heard. Okay. And Lady okay. V just broke down the whole case for us. So I really want to get into it. The first thing that I want to do is I want to play something because I talked about this case was two years ago. This was in 2020, early 2020. And I remember my, my podcast host at the time, we almost got into a fighting match. I'm going to, I'm going to play it really quickly just so you see what I'm talking about. Um, but this was the clip. Hold on. My internet is kind of slow. But this is just to give you a sense of the Me Too movement at the time and just how how people were very drawn to it. And, you know, the fact that Amber used that movement to... She, she co-opted that movement, essentially. And in the process of co-opting that movement, she smeared this man. This man lost opportunities. And I remember actually listening to the tapes like the deposition tapes i like i actually played it for them anyway i'll play it this was two two years ago this was february in 2020 no you're covering this physical abuse i That's actually what have is. a perfect example of a toxic here but i'm not to play you guys want me to play it? yeah go the, now this is the johnny depp now i just want to preface this with years ago right there was this story that came out about johnny depp we yeah, all know the story too. We all know the story. On both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys heard the latest audio? I haven't even yes. started talking. It was horrible, too. They were both horrible. So check this out, right? Johnny Depp That's lost it. movie deals because of this lady. Yeah. Because she claimed, right? Not claimed. She He did. No. Abuse. Have no, you no. heard that? There you are videos heard? of him, Yeti, too. do not it interrupt me. Let me finish. Them. It was both I, of have them. Have you been hearing the audios? Yes. Play it. I have. She admitted on the audios that 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 she instigated things. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he should hit her too. But what? No, she but never. He also instigated. Thank you. She, it was both of them. Them had. I, you know, issues. I can. You know, I, I can always tell when you're not familiar with it. I haven't heard all the I audios. I have. Play it. There's actually proof showing that he's innocent. But there was proof. They didn't let him get a word in. It wasn't innocent. when it started. He admitted. He admitted that to stuff too. Yes, physically correct. and mentally, he admitted. He did. That. Where? Where? That's, when it was came it? out it was last a while ago. Yeah. Where? Where? No, no, no. And that was a lie, by the way, because he never admitted it. <laughs> but for some reason they had this idea that, that sounds like people were about to start fighting like you don't understand like i was <laughs> so frustrated i was so frustrated i even went i'll play for you i went ahead and Wait, I we have to fact check you're a fact checker because i have i have my receipts here play. right check this out this is this is here's audio right where amber heard mocks johnny depp for calling for help while she was abusing him um, she then loses her temper and fully admits to abusing him, okay, then proceeds to shame him again. Listen to this. Listen to this. Ever no. punch Johnny Depp with a closed fist 
in the history of your relationship with John? Answer it however you feel you wish to. Told me a liar. I watched you lie. I heard it. I was right there. There's no what you still haven't told me what lie it is. We'll talk but yet, every single fucking time. We'll you know you Chavis. do this every single fucking we'll talk time. talk to Chavis. I'm not fucking talking to nobody. No, fuck that. You fucking... go fucking jerk. Go jerk him off. I don't care. I really could care less. It's you every single time. You latch onto some sort of thing. When I already told you, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. You don't even know what you're talking about. You still haven't even told me what it is. But run with it. You I have told you it. what it is. No, you haven't. I said to Travis, I said, Good. no, I said to you, hey, okay. tell Travis what just happened. You oh, you careless. told me to do it. You yeah. told me to. You said, go do that. I said, no, t- tell him what just happened. And I lied. And that you punched me in the You're fucking right. thing and you, you st- figured in it the out. face. Sorry that I didn't uh, you, uh, uh, punch hit you across the face in a proper slap, but I was hitting you. It was not punching you. Can you imagine? You're not punched. Babe, Don't you're not what punched. It feels like to be punched. That's a, my you favorite know, line from the entire trial. No, when you fucking have a closed fist. You got hit. I'm sorry I hit you like this, but I did not punch you. I did not fucking deck you. I fucking was hitting you. you I don't know what you. the po- motion of my actual hand was, but you're fine. I did not hurt you. I did not punch you. I was hitting you. How are your toes? How, what am I supposed to do? Do this? How are your I, toes? I'm not sitting here bitching about it, am I? You are. Oh, That's I'm, the difference between me I'm not sitting here bitching about it. Because you start you physical fights? Because you, the fuck up. Because you start <laughs> This lady is so toxic. <laughs> it's, she is so toxic. Like, she is... Like, you, my blood pressure is rising just listening to the audio. Like, I'm getting agitated. Can, can you believe this? And I, I'm playing this for my co-host at the time. But this is just to tell you how the Me Too movement had captured everyone's mind at the time. Where it was like, it didn't matter. Just the mere accusation was enough to bury a guy at the time. And this lady... Just like Lady V said, she went on a tour. She she got a lot out of this. She became like an ambassador for this stuff. She said that she was going to give all the proceeds of her of her um of of, of her divorce settlement. She said she was going to donate it to to uh, charity for like abused people, right, Lady V? And this was actually one of the yeah, things that so came up in the part trial. Of it to the Children's Hospital LA, and then uh, the other half to ACLU for yes. to help victims of domestic abuse yeah yes which was cap because she never donated it she claimed she pledged it this was also one of those contentious things that happened during the court right where uh johnny depp's lawyer was like did you donate this money she was like well i pledged it she's like no 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 i'm saying did you donate it she's like no well donating and pledging are like synonymous they're like, different things. They're like, no, no. You either donated the money or you didn't. This lady is, she's a pathological liar. She just told liar. so many lies. Pathological liar. lies. She kept getting caught in lies. And in my, in my mind, I'm thinking, this woman should, this, this is perjury. I, I, I still don't know how, how this hasn't landed her in more trouble. But I'll, I'll keep going. Go fights. I did start a physical fight. Yeah, you did. So I had because, to get the fuck out of there. Yes. You did. So you did the right thing, the big thing. The, you know what? You are admirable. Every single time. What, 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 what's your there's, there's also audio. There's wait, 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 w
I walked away. I was trying to walk away. And when I tried to walk away, you got physical. And then she responded by saying that, no, the reason why, yes, that the reason why I got physical is because you walked away. Never walk away from me. She pretty much admits on audio upon audio. There's, For there's one t- incident. Let me finish. No, why? can I finish? Yeti, my, Yeti, Yeti, can I finish? There are several. No, let, can I finish? <laughs> Danny, can, can I finish? I'm getting can I finish? Let there, finish? There are several instances, several, several audio. I've heard all of them. So where, but let me finish. Let me finish. Where, where he says, look, I'm walking away. And when I try to walk away, you come and then you get physical with me. Not only that, this guy lost a finger. Have you seen pictures? Yeah, he did. This guy oh, lost yeah, a finger. He did. That's how, that's how violent she, she got. She threw a bottle and at him. And where broke. she mocks him and for actually wanting to report her. So you and Danny, you are saying this is like, a two-way street. what are you talking street? about? It was it both of them. I mean, this is me providing receipts upon receipts upon receipts. The toxic person the, in there is, the, this is, is stuff, very... All this stuff, Lady V, was public knowledge. But people were still so convinced that Johnny Depp was an abuser. He lost gigs because of this that's stuff. Hard, it's just hard to believe for people that a man could be a victim of abuse. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was. I think, I think that that was a big factor. Um and and it's really unfortunate because Let me the fact that it took this long it took like a whole drawn out trial of them actually displaying how much of a pathological liar this woman was I mean she claimed that she got beat right she claimed that there were bruises first of all the but first the first time the police went to the house they they didn't see any signs of abuse they didn't the, the house was normal then she conspired with her friend and then dabarud the house right and then called police again. Still no sign of, you know, and they took pictures. There was, there was no sign of abuse. Yet there were receipts. There were pictures of Johnny Depp on a stretcher. He had to go to the hospital, to the emergency after his finger got cut. You could see the finger was dangling off his hand. Damn. These were things that I actually presented. These people weren't trying to hear it. And I guess my question is, how, why did it take so much for us to see that this guy was the victim, the clear victim in this scenario how how i mean i mean like you said i think like the whole idea of like men being victims isn't really something people are used to and obviously speaking i mean i might be wrong but obviously speaking the majority of like domestic violence victims sexual violence and things like that are are women yes so like people have in their minds that whole image of you know Mm -hmm. it's only men Mm -hmm. that can do it towards women so i think that's basically what's what's going on well i i well i'm hoping this uh this particular case kind of you know switches things around and people start to realize that it's not so simple um so i, I think I, I, what people also forget is that because I, I there are some statistics that suggest the majority is not actually that heavily weighed in favor of women when it comes to being victims of domestic abuse hmm. um but you just don't hear about it so two things one the research shows that um uh i don't have the numbers in front of me now but it's more like 30 percent women 25 percent men something like that so it's a majority uh in favor of women but it's, the gap is not that wide oh. and then secondly a lot of men don't even report so those are 25 percent are the men that even report mm. so because of the stigma and because you know the police will come and they'll just assume that it's actually the man that's the abuser men i'm sorry i think she broke up 
Sorry about that. Hello. Yeah, my I need to upgrade my internet clearly. Sorry, sorry, Lady V. Get my audio. And now we can hear. Now we can hear that we we, we lost you a little bit okay. over there. Like the last five seconds, we lost. Okay. Um, I don't know how part you heard, but I was basically trying to to add to what Toby had said. So it's not just that um, the majority is in favor of women. So people are not used to hearing that mm-hmm. men are victims of domestic abuse. It's also just that the actual statistics, people are not aware of them. Yeah. Um, so in the reality is that there are quite a lot of men who are victims of domestic abuse, um, but there's a stigma around reporting it to the police, mm-hmm. um, which stops them from reporting. And then also when they report, sometimes men are actually even arrested, even though they are the victim, because oh, wow. the police just assume... It must be the man that's abusing. Wow. And then you, I, I also wonder the, the number of cases that go unreported too. That's probably a big factor in that too, where we really don't know. Um, but, you know, the the verdict came down. Um, they awarded Johnny Depp, and I wish I could play. I'll probably just throw it, throw it in there later on. I'll throw the clip of where they read out the verdict. Johnny Depp was awarded $15 million. Um, Amber Heard was awarded $2 because she also filed a suit um, and I think it had to do with defamation. I think, and I think it was Johnny Depp's former lawyer that had said something about Amber Heard, and it was proven to be true that it was she was kind of being defamed. But long story short is that the 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 um, a good chunk of what Johnny Depp accused her of doing was proven to be was validated essentially by the court. So in 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 other words, it was a victory for Johnny Depp. And she's going to be asked to pay whatever the difference is, what, $13 million or whatever that difference is. Um, and a lot of people are praising this as like a, you know, a, a win for men. But I don't necessarily see it that way. I, I think it's a, it's a win for everybody. I think, no, I think it's a win for women also that actually have real cases of domestic violence. Um, and perhaps, you know, people could... People can really start to so so so. There's this fear, and this is what the meeting movement was about. There's this fear that women will be afraid to come out and admit whenever they're being violated or, or abused in any way. Or if they come out, people will dismiss them. People people them. will dismiss them. Which is why why the meeting people always say always believe women. Yes, which is why they say always believe. And that that was the whole thing about the Me Too. Now some people are saying that. You know, I, the minute the verdict came out, I was seeing articles, people saying this is a blow to women's rights. I even saw some articles saying this was a blow for black women. And I'm like, what does this have to do with... What? Do, what, what where are black women? Like, I was so confused by that one. I'm like, wait, what does what does that... Ha- why, is, why is this about black women all of a sudden? But it, I mean, it just goes to show you how messed up our entire media... media and these were, like, reputable sources, too, that were putting, putting out these articles... Um, my question to you guys is what this means on Me Too right now. Like, wh- like where do you think we stand? Because I, I think this is perhaps a red pill moment for a lot of people, understanding that the Me Too movement, even though it might have had good intentions, it made people understand how easily it could be corrupted. And I think that's what people are seeing now. I think that's what people are understanding, that the media in itself is also very, very... Um, complicit in 
in um in you know sensationalizing a lot of these uh i guess me too accusations and it may not be as simple as we think it is and i remember even back then there were a bunch of those me too cases that i was like what this this doesn't really i won't really consider this as assault do you remember the um uh aziz ansari case yeah, I think I, I can I can very faintly. It, it was just it. a date gone. I remember that it was one. a date gone wrong. That was all it was. Yep. It was a date it gone wrong, and like she regretted the same thing as assault. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, 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 yeah. yes. I remember it. Uh, yes. So yes. I I think I for me I think um, I think this may be the end of the Me Too. Era. I don't think so. I don't think you so. you don't think so. I don't think so. So what are your well, thoughts? No. Okay, on, like, on the implications no, of, on Me Too. No, like. Here is the here is the main thing. No matter like how much people try and like you know give a different story, mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is, in America of twenty twenty two, yeah, the overwhelming majority of people look down on things like assaulting women, rape, domestic violence. In terms of like you know, when you uh, say look down, what do you mean? Okay, like. Let me explain that more. Disapprove like, of. Yes. Like if someone comes out and claims, right? People, okay, like let's say compared to like, let's say the 1950s, mm-hmm. right? People's attitudes today are more open and will be more willing to listen to you. Yeah. Wouldn't dismiss you. And even the fact that people are willing to come out and say like, you know, we have problems. Mm-hmm. Where I think this is going to go mm-hmm. is that, yes, people will be sympathetic and would say that like, you know, we're very sorry it's happened and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But people would also say that, okay, this thing has to be proven. Yeah. It can't just be taken at face value. Okay. So, so, so you think people are, are going to be more uh, prone to wanting due process yes. for people. Yes. Um, so Lady V, your thoughts? Um, I, I agree with Toby, but I, I agree with what you think the outcome is going to be. I think people are going to be more focused on what's the evidence. But I actually think that it is the like death blow to the Me Too movement because the Me Too movement has always been about trial by media. Yeah. Um, like when the first accusations came out, people didn't wait for, okay, this is the conclusive evidence. They concluded that based on the accusations, mm-hmm. the people that were accused were guilty. Yeah, that is what the Me Too movement was about. It was like, oh, if we go through due process, these men are above the law, so the only way to get at them is trial by media. Mm. And we've seen that even though, on one hand, trial by media is effective at bringing out, um, yeah, making people accountable when yeah. they actually are guilty, it sweeps up innocent people in the process. Mm-hmm. So actually, the the costs outweigh the benefits. Um, and I've honestly always been skeptical of this idea that we need to try people by media. Um, especially like look at look at the the accusations against you know them high Harvey Weinstein and so on. Yes. Um I know people are going to accuse me of victim blaming or whatever, but look, this guy was not holding people down, tying them down and raping them. It was like it was inappropriate behavior. Yeah. Um, using his power and so on. But like you, the the women were in those situations also by choice. Like someone invites you to their apartment at two AM. What are you expecting to happen? Like you're not going there to drink tea, you know. <laughs> so there's also like some. There needs to be some measure of accountability from 
the people that are calling themselves victims. Um, and people need to be able to bring out evidence that they actually were abused. We can't just take it at face value. So, Lady V, what are your thoughts, man? What are you, like? What are your like? What are the key takeaways from this debacle that is Amber Heard and Johnny Depp? So overall, I think it's it's good news for um, you know, like we said, the entire world. It's not just um, good news for domestic abuse survivors or good news for Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just the idea that you need to. Um, look at evidence before you, you come to a conclusion. So um, we're going back to innocent to proven guilty, which is what it should always have been. There was an instant I pooped on the bed that he lays on. Did they Because I didn't want to work like that. I didn't get to me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about you, but please go on. No, no, it's okay. We're talking um, about the memes and the, yeah, and the and Amber turns. So, yeah. um, and I think it's like, if you look at it from her perspective, it's horrible. Um, I wouldn't want to be at the center of kind of um, hashtags Definitely. like, Amber, we just don't like you, Amber Turn. But honestly, Given what she's done to this man, she deserves it. And it just goes to show that, you know, if you're going to lie, maybe don't do it on a, on the world stage with so much evidence against you. Yeah. Maybe that's the lesson that people should take from this. People are just going in, like, yeah, on yeah. her. And she should probably yeah. just take a break from the internet, you know, for, like, a few months. Yeah, I fear, um, I fear if for I were her, her that's what her. I would do. I fear for her mental health, Sha, because... Honestly, I mean, the internet I, I do too, turned... she does have some mental disorders, uh, as diagnosed by some psych- psychiatrists that joined the case um, borderline personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder. Oh, wow. Um, so she should probably stay away from the internet, yeah, yeah, because okay. that it, it was a lot. That you have these people that they call themselves the, the Deptford wives, they're like these huge Johnny Depp fans, and they're going hard against her. Um, Toby, any final thoughts on it? I mean, like, just to, like, say what I said previously, mm-hmm. um, I naturally do not think that, like, the whole, you know, awareness and things like that around domestic violence, sexual violence is going to go away. I mean... I so, so you think people are still going to be hypersensitive to ac- accusations, is what you're saying? Not hypersensitive, but whenever things like that come up... Mm-hmm. All people are just going to say is, you know, prove it. So, like, basically, I feel that, like, with this case, mm-hmm. we might be kind of moving away from the more toxic version of... Of Me Too? Me Too. Okay. To something that has less of its to- um, toxic elements. And, you know, people yeah. would ask that. Okay. You said that, like, you know... um, um, you people had an um on consensual sex or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, prove it. Mm-hmm. Rather than than in the past. That being said, and then all of a sudden, people saying that yes, we believe her, we believe her. And then I would also add something, and this might also kind of go on a tangent. Um, something I hope that comes from this case, but will probably not come from this case is okay. 
And another thing about this case really is that it kind of shows um, people might kind of like have more awareness around men as domestic violence victims. victims. Mm -hmm. And related to that, something I like to see happen down the line. And as far as I'm concerned, that then is one of the sleaziest things in the world is how people would have known for like, you know, the past 20, 40 years that, you know, some, you know, really powerful guy is a sick psycho, but people will keep quiet. And then all of a sudden, one day out of the woodwork, 200 women come out and say that, you know, he... Are you talking about us. Bill Cosby? Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. If things like that happen, people should be foolish punished. But what I am saying is mm. how things like that, in a way, are weaponized. Because the way I view it is for cases like Bill Cosby mm -hmm. and Weinstein, there are things we don't know. And I feel that things like that are related to power fights in their circles. Mm, I see what you mean. Yeah. So yeah. I Speaking of Bill Cosby, he you know he's getting dragged to civil civil yeah. court again by mm -hmm. by another lady. But this Bill Cosby's own was uh, that one is that one stinks. I'll tell you that much. That one stinks because he. Yeah, Bill Cosby stinks. Al Kelly stinks. You know, there's some there are some of these cases where the evidence is just kind of clear. Just overwhelming, mm -hmm. overwhelming. Um, yeah, it, it's um, but. You know, on a lighter note, though, uh, I do feel there's something brewing between um, the lawyer. The do you know, do you remember her name, ADV? Camille Vasquez. Camille Vasquez. First of all, the internet is crazy about this woman because the way she, it, it was strategic. Obviously, they they used a female lawyer to um, cross um, cross what they call it cross examine cross examine her. Amber. And it, it just, it, she just, Amber just looked bad, man. She just, especially, it was when she was talking about the donations and the distinction between donations and pledging. She just, she, I mean, that cross examination was brutal. She made her look crazy, like, <laughs> like a pathological liar. And I think that was part of what, uh, it was a way to show that this woman's credibility is not necessarily the best. It showed a pattern that this woman is known to lie. And I think that was one of the turning moments in the trial, honestly. They said that after that, that the jurors weren't, couldn't stop looking at her. And you know when the jurors stop looking at the defendant, it usually means you're cooked. But, yeah, so this Vasquez lady, pe people are coming up with all these uh, uh, theories online that they, her and Johnny Depp might have a thing together. And it's funny because <laughs> there are these clips where they're like touching each other, where they're like looking at each other. And it, it's it's funny because everyone thinks they're... People, they're are, just, people are just silly. Look, there's nothing going on between them. She's just a touchy-feely person. I may, maybe Apparently she is. she's actually dating someone. Oh, she so is? she actually is in a relationship. So ah, okay. people should not go and spoil her. Like, ah, I, get I, I know. I know. Uh, one of the things also that they said about Johnny Depp was that he had promised never to look at uh, Amber. And throughout the trial, he never yes. looked her way. Try. Not ah, once. You, do Not you once. know how much hurt that this guy has gone through? He lost the, the he lost deals with Disney. 
uh, Pirates of the Disney Caribbean. Disney and mm-hmm. Warner Brothers yeah. as well. The only people that stood yeah. behind him was the... Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, Fantastic Beasts. The only people that stood behind him was the fragrance that he promotes. I, I'm not sure if it's... Dior. Prior. Dior. Is Dior. Dior. They were the only ones. Everything else, all, all his endorsements, he lost. I'm like, man, off of an accusation, despite being the victim. Can you imagine... It was, it was crazy. It's crazy. But we should move on to um, the other topic that I wanted to address here, which is it's, a, it's also one of these really sensitive topics. This is about the Roe v. Wade, um, oh, the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade. It hasn't happened yet. Um, let me just kind of break down what why people are up in arms. So there was a leak from the Supreme Court there was a leak of a, it was like a, what was it? A draft. Yeah, a draft. A draft opinion. A draft opinion. A draft opinion suggesting that they were going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And as a result, first of all, I, I think this is the first time this has happened. Is that fair to say? In terms of what? Like this this kind of leak. Because I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. yeah. It's, it's his un, unprecedented. Unprecedented. So thing. let's make that clear. The fact that it got leaked. We don't know who leaked it. My, if I had to guess, I would say it was one of the judges that that gave the thumbs up for it to get leaked because this is this is a very very big, um, big decision. It is overturning the rights, technically speaking, for women to have privacy. That's what Roe v. Wade was based off of. It was the idea that a woman should be able to have privacy with her doctor. And as a result, um, states couldn't legislate uh, what they what that woman did with like a pregnancy. If she wanted to get rid of it or not get rid of it, that was essentially what it was. And this was this happened when Toby seventy three seventy three. Lady V, see, I told you that this guy is like an encyclopedia when it comes to Supreme Courts. <laughs> um, so this happened seventy three, and as a result, states could legislate but they were limited in how much they could legislate abortion rights, right? And what was the implication at the time? Um, how do I, like, when Roe v. Wade first came out, if I'm not wrong, basically states couldn't, basically had virtually no leeway. Um, in the early 90s, I believe in 92, the whole thing was redone. Yeah. Um, Roe v. Wade was upheld yes but states were then given more leeway yeah and the whole underlying logic was kind of changed yeah but but so what this meant was nationally right no every woman had a right to abort a baby up until like a certain period yes well how how many weeks was that um viability if i'm if i'm not wrong is like 24 weeks or so 24 weeks yeah that's how it stands so as it stands, at, at least 24 weeks, they had the right to abort. Now, there are some states that allow you to abort almost up until, until the nine months, like, like yeah. New York, for instance. Yeah New, yeah, New York is like... And then there are other states who are on the other spectrum mm-hmm. that limit it as much as possible. Um, so what this ruling does is it pretty much opens the floodgates, and states can decide to just outright ban abortion. No, like, even from... Um, insemination is that the right term? Inception. Inception. Yeah. <laughs> Inception. I'm sorry. Con- conception. Conception. 
Yeah, even up until conception. Now, I want us to let, let's let's look at the arguments. I want us to start with the arguments against this ruling, this potential ruling. Because now they're saying that all these states are coming out and they're already introducing all this legislation to pretty much outright ban abortion. The way I look at this whole topic, it's 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 very philosophical because it boils down to when you consider a human life to start. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Some people feel like it's from con- conception. Yeah. Some people feel it's from viability. And by viability, viability, what we mean is the point where the baby can, can survive, can survive on its survive. own without the the mother. And some people feel like this is a this is strictly a a choice about women's rights to do whatever they want to do with their body. True. True. So the first argument against this ruling is I want that I want to introduce is my body, my choice. Lady V, what do you think about women that say, look, I don't care. I don't care when you think a life starts or a life doesn't start. As long as this child is in me, I get to determine that child's life. What are your thoughts on that? Um, honestly, that argument has always been ridiculous um, because my body implies that yeah. the child is part of the woman's body. And if it were actually part of the woman's body, then there would be no argument about abortion. The reason why it is an abortion is because it's a separate entity. Like no one stops women from going to cut off their toenails mm-hmm. or to have a, like an appendix removed um, because your toenails are part of you. Your appendix is part of you. You make the decision. Mm-hmm. But the reason why abortion, there's a controversy over it is because the fetus, the baby is not part of you. They're inside you. And that, that's a very important distinction. So my body, my choice implies that the baby is part of the mother, but that's not true. What is true is that um, she has control over what happens to the baby because it, the baby happens to be inside of her and dependent on her. Okay. Um, which like is a different argument, but my body, my choice, I think just the premise of it is wrong to begin with. So it's an invalid argument. Okay. But how about in cases of, let's say the mother's life is at risk. Um, does, do, does the woman have a right to say, you know what? I want to live and I'm willing to sacrifice this baby in order to, in order to keep my health intact. Um, I think in days gone by, that would have been a very tough choice to make because the the medical science had not gotten to the point where we could save both the life of the mother and the baby. But today we can, like we have the technology. We um, always have the, the capability the, to do that. We do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At, because at any given point, sometimes surgeries are done for babies, and then the babies are placed back till delivery is done. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. How, how about in the case of? The R word, I don't want to say it because of, you know, algos. But in the case that a woman was um, molested and they, they happened, she happened to get pregnant in the process. And this wasn't necessarily a choice that she had made. What do you say about that? Um, so personally, I think that is a difficult, uh, it's a difficult situation for anybody. Uh, but... My position is, regardless of how the baby was conceived, the baby is already there. So if we decide that, you know, we can take the life of a child because of the way they were conceived, then that's giving us a right that we don't have over the lives of other people. Um, There are people who are conceived of rape who have grown up 
today and they like they go around giving speeches about you know their experience none of them says i wish i wasn't born um or i wish my mother had aborted me for her the sake of her mental health every baby wants to be alive like they want to survive so you're so saying i don't that, think should, the child should be punished so you're saying because that because of how they were conceived so, so you're saying that if the victim of our of you know our ward does not have any should not have the right to terminate a child that she never that pretty much was forced upon her so what it sounds like is you're like a pro-life absolution um absolutist essentially is that is that is that fair to say um yeah i guess you could say absolutist so so although i don't i don't want to use that term because it sounds like i'm not willing to listen to arguments like i i listen to arguments on the other side it's just that i don't feel that any of them are credible okay so how about how about precedents when it comes to the course i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna throw this to you toby how about people that say that the idea of overruling and overturning roe v wade goes completely against precedents which you know our courts are usually very very sensitive about you know whenever there's a ruling made and it's it's been in society for a while you generally the courts don't like to they don't like to go back and to try to change something that had been that has that has precedence that has been established in society just because of the effects it may have on society when we undo such rights what do you say to people that say that that this is this is going against you know years decades and decades of precedence i mean minor precedents are, are overturned every court's term every court term minor ones minor ones so but nothing this big maybe something on a technicality yeah obviously not something this big but um uh I would also say that, in a sense, people are using the whole precedence thing as kind of a scare tactic. Um, the one everyone talks about is how, for example, interracial marriage might be next. Um, in my own opinion, I believe some of these things are unfounded for a number of reasons. The justices decide if they're going to take up a case or not. Mm-hmm. So let's even look at the whole interracial marriage then. Yeah. The justices are never are never going to decide to take that up. Yeah, I I, yeah. I think that when you bring yeah. up interracial, I think that's definitely fear yeah. mongering. I don't I don't think they, that's even gonna happen. They're never going to, to take that up. But on other ones, it's a really open question. I yeah. mean I mean I'll, because because no. because because really, Toby, think about it. This is we're taking a right that was granted decades ago, a right that society has gotten used to, and we're 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 taking it back from the people. Do you, you don't think this may have massive implications and consequences on American society? Without a doubt, it will. But do we really want to risk it? No, but I'll also add something, and this is where and I, and, and some people would argue no, that this is this no. is. This is very central to women's rights, no, no, and we're taking something away from them. This no, this is where I might actually sound very um, kind of controversial. I think, in a way, it's actually kind of a good thing mm-hmm. that the court is open 
to looking at precedents. I'll tell you why. Um, many of these things, like you know, Roe v. Wade, necessarily did not come by Congress voting. And yes, there are there are understandable reasons why it's better to use a court rather than use Congress. But one thing I would say is, as much as possible, things should go through Congress because. Okay, so you're saying that Roe v. Wade never should have gone through the courts to begin with, is what it what it, what it sounds like. Yes, because okay, like here is the main thing. Let's even look at it this way. Um, if you look at other like you know Western countries and Western Europe and things like that, if they're I'm actually wrong, more restrictive. It's more restrictive, and also they kind of did this through a legislature where everyone went and debated. And mm. in many ways, I feel that that the things which have far-reaching societal consequences have better staying power and are better accepted when done through the legislature. And I would also add something. One other thing is the U.S. Congress is very lazy. And yeah. the, the U.S. Congress, as much as possible, tries not to deal with very tough issues and tough questions and just gives it to other people. Okay. So so, so, what, so what it sounds like is what if, just, you know, hear me out here. What if they decide to, I, I have a very, very strong feeling that Roe v. Wade would, essentially stay because right now and i want to this is something i also want to show i want to make sure that people see this there are polls out there mm -hmm. over the years it was maybe slight maybe slightly to the choice right but for the most part it was about 50 50 it was like 40 some percent pro-lifers now that number has moved um should i had it open here I don't know where it is now. Hold on. Let me try to... I actually had the, the page open. But that number has moved in favor of pro-choice. Mm -hmm. So if people would say that if we were to go through Congress, there's a very, very high likelihood that the mandate of the people would be to keep Roe v. Wade. And that what these courts are doing right now is going on these polls. Okay. Okay. You just see? You see there are my first in this? Actually, those numbers, no, if you break them down, they, um, because, okay, like, I've actually heard, heard about those numbers, like, what they say overall, mm -hmm. majority of people want, like, you know, abortions to be open and things like that. But when you begin breaking down things, if I'm not wrong, most people say, like, like, it should be restricted, like, after 12 weeks or something like that. And I would... Oh, uh, I see what you mean. I would also add um, um, that looking at um, Ireland... Mm -hmm. Like a couple of years back, was it to that? or something like that. They held a referendum and decided to legalize abortion, abortion. there. Yeah. But here's the catch Ireland did theirs through a referendum. And then their parliament, you know, coming up with a bill to decide how abortion will be. Mm -hmm. And from 
what I understand, in Ireland, it's legal up to about 12 weeks. After that, it becomes very difficult to get. An abortion. Yes. Interesting. So, okay. So, I see what you mean. So, so wh- what you're suggesting that the polls aren't necessarily reflective of the real, like, um, because when you say pro-choice and pro-life, it's... It, it could mean anything. I could be like, for me, for instance, right? I consider myself pro-choice. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm and i pro-choice because, first of all, I don't like to... The idea of telling women what to do with their body, for me, it's just I'm a guy. So I'm not in that same position. And especially in cases of the R word, like it's hard for me to say, tell someone that they need to do anything, mm-hmm. right? However, I am pro-choice up until the point of viability. I, th- mm-hmm. I think that makes the most sense. If the child can live on its own, mm-hmm. I, 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 there's no reason to get rid of that child. Um, however, if the child can't live on its own, I I choose to just defer to the, mo- to the mother. Mm-hmm. That's my own idea of pro-choice. Mm-hmm. But there are other people's idea of pro-choice that may, may fit somewhere else on that spectrum. So I understand when you say that the polls may not necessarily reflect what, what, like, like the extent to which people are pro-choice or not pro-choice, right? But the fact remains that the polls overwhelmingly are pro-choice. No, one thing I would actually add about the polls is, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that the polls are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that rather the polls capture a lot of data and nuisance whereby you have to like break it down to really understand what's going on. Because, okay, let's look at it this way. Someone, you know, who says like, you know, oh, you know, I'm for abortion rights Mm -hmm. till the 12th week or so. Yeah. Technically, yes. Okay. Let's say you have person A Mm -hmm. and person A says that they're for abortion rights till the 12th week. Yeah. Person B, they say 24 week. Person C, they say 18 weeks. Yeah. All three of them can be categorized as all pro-choice. You yes. See? yes. So that's where that number comes from. I know. I know. Which is why I'm saying that. Yeah. It, it misses out on uh, to the extent people to uh, which people are mm-hmm. pro-choice. Mm-hmm. But the fact remains is that people still believe that women should ha- at least still have that option. Mm-hmm. The pro-lifers do not believe any, like Lady V, for instance, does not believe anyone should be having abortions. And I'm telling you that the percentage of those people are, they're, they're, they're less than the pro-choicers. And I think it's safe to say that what this Roe v. Wade is doing would be going against the will of the people. But Lady V disagrees with me. I, I want to hear your take. Please, please break, break down why you think that's not the case. Um, so I think what these polls are taking, like what they're kind of measuring is what people's views are on Roe v. Wade and not on abortion. Um, so, but the thing is, what the Supreme Court's ruling is showing is that Roe v. Wade, in in essence, was actually an invalid ruling to begin with. Like it was predicated on a right that doesn't actually exist in the Constitution. So, what the Supreme Court is trying to do is to correct. Uh, a precedent that was said that should never have been set in the first place. Okay. So I think if it goes to, if it goes to Congress, um, what you'll see is people will get a better understanding that you know 
um, the Supreme Court was actually trying to, you know, correct an incorrect precedent. And if it goes to Congress, people will then start to have the debates that were never actually had before Roe v. Wade was put in place. This was a Supreme Court decision. Mm. It was never put to the people. Um, and you have very different views across the country. Different states have different views. Mm. And I think people will get to understand that leaving this to, to be legislated at the federal level yeah. will um, kind of remove uh, people's agency at the state level. Ah, that's what I think is, is more likely to happen. I, I honestly think that regardless of what people's positions are on just abortion rights specifically, Roe v. Mm. Wade itself, um, what the ruling, because uh, of the, the ruling is like a lot of pages, they really go into detail explaining why um, yeah. this precedent needs to be removed because it was invalid to begin with. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, you, you, well, and, that, and that's a good point. It, it was like, this is something that even Justice Ginsburg. Is this going to oh, be the sorry. galvanizing issue? That the sorry, my, my internet is okay. acting well, up. First, there are already Republicans talking about outlawing pause that. the pill as well. In many of these so this is something will, that even Justice Ginsburg admitted to, right? Uh, she well, said that there was the, the foundation on which Roe v. Wade was built was, was kind of shaky. Mm -hmm. And this was someone that was probably one of the more liberal justices we had. Mm -hmm. Very, very pro-women's rights. So you do have a point. However, I I wanna I wanna make sure I exhaust all the arguments against. There's an argument about the um the unintended consequences of limiting abortions. Uh it's the back alley abortions thing, you know. Some people feel like it's fair mongering, but do you think there's some truth to that? In states like Mississippi, all these southern states that are more likely to prohibit abortions, do you think perhaps people in those states, poor people that can't go across state lines to go have their abortions, do you think those people are more at risk because they would be they would be forced to carry out these illegal abortions? Is is there is there some a case to that? Oh. Honestly speaking, good faith here. Yeah, yeah. I would say yes. And do we want that as a and society? I would say no. Both yes and no. Why is and that? Yes, in the sense that there always will be illegal abortions. In the same way, we can say that, like, you know, if there's a law prohibiting something, mm. that then is always going to happen in the background, in the gray zones. And yeah. we can give many examples. Drug laws are the, are the classic one, you know. Yeah. Drug consumption is still rife. Yeah. But, um, prohibition in the United yes. States it had massive effects. But people people were still drinking and drinks could be found in every city. But but it had massive effects true, on society. Organized crime, yeah. bootlegging. But here is also where I would say that there is... Here is where I would also say no. One aspect which I feel isn't getting a lot of coverage in this whole debate about whether Roe v. Wade will be overturned or not mm -hmm. is the pro-life side fully knows this counter-argument. Yeah. And many of like the top pro-life, like, you know, um, policymakers, legal minds in the country 
the main thing that they're talking about right now, like seriously, mm-hmm. is policy after Roe v. Wade. Their argument is just because Roe v. Wade isn't is is gone doesn't mean we're packing up and going home. And one of the things that they're talking about, like very seriously, is things like supporting pregnant people, supporting poor people, mm-hmm. and things like that. And one other thing which I'll just add, which is just my own opinion, is that like one of like the arguments given is like, you know, the whole issue of poverty, mm-hmm. whether, you know, like there'll be way more poor people yeah. in this country and things like that. Like 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 people in the black community, for yes. instance. Yes. Right now, the, va- the uh, a very, very significant disproportionate amount of abortions in this country are in the black community. Yes. And when I say disproportionate, I mean it's not 13% of abortions taking place which is the population of black people it's like a third or something yes it's a disproportionate amount so So in in and like the underprivileged the like poor communities which again overrepresented right in the black community right Mm -hmm. what would be the effects of that we already see issues with a lot of kids within some of these poorer communities you know we live close to baltimore here you, you see it you live in dc you know what i'm talking about there are a lot of kids out there you know a lot of them broken homes their parents in jail and i'm not talking about again i'm not talking about all black people but i'm saying that like yeah this is a subset of people within a, you know poorer communities and we already have enough issues as it is we already have like a lot of crime in a lot of these poor mm-hmm. communities. The idea that we then stop abortions, do you see how that could possibly have a cascading effect and could actually, you know, even make those systemic issues that we have in those com- communities even worse than it is? Lady V, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this. I'm talking about the un- unintended consequences of a legislation like um. this and the possible effect on communities like you know minority communities like i just mentioned how do you so tackle I, that i agree that there there may be some um unintended consequences but i think that people are also assuming all things being equal uh we're kind of discounting the impact that restrictions on abortion access to abortion have on people's decision making it's not like people will continue to um, have unwanted pregnancies at the same rate. Um, we, we have already seen that when states institute more restrictive laws on abortion, like um, reducing the number of weeks at which you can have abortion and so on, um, it does have uh, an impact on the number of abortions that um, happen and the number of um, unwanted pregnancies that happen. So it does change people's decision-making. That's not to say that you would never have any unwanted pregnancies. But I personally don't think that the solution to um, the social problems that we might be having in those communities is to eliminate. You're always going to have crime. You're always going to have broken families and so on and so forth. Um, If we're like, it's, it's kind of a slippery slope. If we say that, oh, if we increase, reduce access to abortions, then it will increase um, so and so on, so social ills. Then the reverse argument could be made. Should we then reduce the incidence of those social ills? 
by encouraging people to have abortions, which is kind of the eugenics argument, right? Yes. Um, so yes. I, I think it's a I think it's a, it's a slippery slope, and it's better if we start from the basis that regardless of what social problems are going to result at the end of the day, we shouldn't have a right to eliminate people's right to live. One thing I would actually add is um, right now, okay, right now, Roe v. Wade has been on the books for almost 50 years, if I'm not wrong. Sorry, before you go on, Lady V, this stuff is about to time out on me again. Do you mind if I call you on WhatsApp and just have you on uh, audio? Yeah, we can test that. I have to use a VPN, but uh, let's see how the audio will be. Yeah, because this is about to time. time, It might about to time me out again. I'm hoping it doesn't, but um, in the event that it does, um, I may just have to reach out to you on WhatsApp. So you're saying that you're gonna have to set up your VPN first. Is that gonna take a while? Yeah, I'll no. I'll just turn it on, but I just don't know how good the quality audio quality will be. But we can try it. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. Go ahead, Toby. Yeah. Um. Oh, with with what with what I was about to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like basically, like. What I was about to say is like obviously, um, Roe v. Wade has been around for almost fifty years at this point. Yeah, and basically a couple of years ago, um, um, Justice Jane um, um Ginsburg actually said out the silent part everyone knew, where she she basically said that you know she always believed that at the time Roe v. Wade was passed, the whole idea was not to have too much of a population, mm-hmm. which people did not want, and she talked about you know things like you know you have so many poor people. How can you not have a abortion? And here is the main question I would ask: Like Roe v. Wade has been here now for almost fifty years, mm-hmm. and we've seen many of like these problems in like black and minority communities with poverty and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that the wider question is to be asked: That what has been done wrong in trying to lift them out of poverty in the past fifty years? Yeah, because. Here is it then. Sorry, one second. Yeah. One second. Just hold that thought. You can go. Okay, yeah. Like as 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 I was about to say, like one of the main things people say when it comes to the whole abortion thing is like, for example, how there's so much poverty in black and minority communities and things like that. Um obviously Roe v. Wade has been here for now for almost fifty years. Mm-hmm. And Basically, it's the same poverty arguments given around the time that's still used today. So one has to kind of, of like, you know, ask that, like, you know, during that time, why hasn't a very serious dent been made on poverty and things which might not allow women to want to bear kids? Um, I mean, like, and I will say, like, I kind of have my own answers to that. What Which can, are? What can be done? Okay, like, a couple of things. And this isn't just only in relation to Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. But, but but try to give us the, yes, uh, the abbreviated yes, version. Yes. The abbreviated version is very simple. I think a new, like, concerted effort needs to be made, mm-hmm. number one into things like, you know, making sure that people have the skills and the ability to get very good paying jobs. And I would also add, I feel that in this regard, a very, what's the word? 
pragmatic approach should be taken. And what do I mean by a very pragmatic approach should mm-hmm. be taken? All methods should be on the table and nothing should be off because, you know, you have some biases towards some or biases against some. So so, so, what, so what you're implying is pretty much try to lift people out of poverty yes. so that they're not faced with these decisions yes. like yes. So, having so to constantly abort. Yes. Is be- that what it is? Yes, because they'll be able to, to have skills to, to get, you know, jobs that can support families. So what does that mean? Trade schools. Yeah. School choice. Any and... But, it, but that won't stop people from still... It's doing abortions though. It's I'm trying to understand no, what no, the connection is no, here. It's once totally, but what I'm saying is if you look at many of these communities, yeah, where supposedly abortion happens because of things like poverty, for lack of potential in a better way. Wait, wait, is that true? Are you saying abortions happen because of poverty or maybe just because of poor choices? Or you just no, no, it's an argument no, from no, the pro choice yes, side, yes, actually. Yes, yes. Like what many people say is Women can't afford to have the kids. Yeah. So they have to abort. They can't afford because, like, you know, they're poor, they're yeah. in horrible situations. Uh-huh. And what's my argument? More should be taken, uh-huh. for lack of a better term, to increase the quality of the human capital uh-huh. of many of these communities so that they'll be able to, you know, live a better life and at least have a very basic, you know, middle class standard of living. Okay. So, so like, for example, look at a state like Mississippi, yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. That state probably has some of the worst indices among the black population in this country, very sadly. Yes. Whether it's things like, you know, school dropout rates, poverty rates, you know, and things like this. And the main focus, which energy should be put into, is how to Im- Im- improve that. And I, would ev- and I would even say, and this is where some people might not believe it's coming out of my mouth. A very pragmatic approach should be taken. It's easier said than done, though, Toby. No, no. Corey, that's exactly what I'm saying because there are people who some approaches might might work mm-hmm. or show results, but they wouldn't want to touch those approaches yeah. because of, you know, maybe their political leanings, their biases, and things like that. Okay. But my point is, if we really care about poor people... Yeah a level of pragmatism should be shown. And people should say, okay. Yeah, I, I think that's a tall order, especially given how divided our nation is right True. now. I'm not even sure that's something that... It's a tall order. I, I mean, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, and, what does Toby mean by practical or pragmatic approaches? Okay, let me give a very good example. Look at, like... Okay, like, let's look at the whole school choice then, for example. Yeah. It is a well-known fact that rank rank and file black people mm. overwhelmingly support school choice. Yeah. But black politicians don't because, I mean, to, to put it in lack of a better term, special interests, which yeah. you know, benefits from it, yeah. fund them. And just like... Yeah, yeah but you're talking yeah. about these things that we know is never going to happen. Like, I, like that's that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. But... What that happens? What happens is that those kind of issues fall on the political lines, where Republicans are for like charter schools and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and Democrats are against it. So we already know that, 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 that we already know that solutions like that are dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. I understand. I get what you yeah, mean. People will never agree. And, yeah, no, they will no. never agree on that. One thing. One thing I would also add is one thing I would lo- I would love to see is 
a series of maybe some of these prominent black people like is it um um what's the, the name of the, the the famous rich black guy who's like the most richest black person robert smith uh, yes yes robert smith oprah uh-huh. some of them should come together and suddenly be in favor of school choice no 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 not necessarily say that with a school choice yeah but for example kind of launch some kind of program where they'll say it's a public and private program yeah for example to increase things like skills acquisition yeah 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 no toby i i get where you're coming from but but it's you're you're talking about the long approach but this this kind of those kind of things will take it's going to take decades before we even before see, before see we even results. get agreement on that i'm talking about something that we can do in the short term lady v well, what's your take on this um so on this question of uh pragmatic solutions or just broadly on roe v wade in general well uh, let's start with pragmatic solutions um because because be honest, you, you, you admit that it will have se- like serious consequences in these communities how do you mitigate the the those kind of consequences like how if 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 this roe v wade thing were to pass and you have people in mississippi mm-hmm. poor communities in mississippi where they suddenly don't really have a choice anymore and like how how do you mitigate like what are pra- pragmatic solutions that preferably not that are based on political lines things that you feel there's a good chance of of it actually, you know, working and passing. Working, yeah. Um, I think, first of all, the most effective solutions are going to be addressing the root cause in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so prevention. And I think uh, most people agree on both sides of the aisle that, you know, some form of sex education is needed. I think conservatives and progressives disagree on the nuances of what kind of sex education, like should you teach contraception or should you teach um, abstinence? But regardless, I think people on both sides agree that sex education is necessary. So I think something like increasing um, people's education or knowledge of you know, how they need to manage their sexual activity so that they minimize unwanted pregnancies. I think that's something that most people can agree on. Then the question of how do you teach the sex education, you can then figure that out. Yeah, but um, but then but then they you're gonna have the people that are like pro trans and all these people uh, teaching no, their form no, of sex education. No, no, but like here's the thing. Well, and uh, no, no, it's like sex no, edu- sex no, no. sex education no, is already a contentious no, no, issue no, no, no. in let America me, right no, now. No, no. Let me make the a Florida ver- governor had to had to put out a legislation that pretty much banned teachers from from speaking about anything that might be like sexual anything in instructional yeah. in oh, regards to sex. That was up to third grade. That was up to third oh, well, true, grade. Remember that the true, people true. having unwanted pregnancies are not Well, true, true, true. Okay, so yeah, you have a point there. We're you have talking a point about there. young adults. Okay, okay. So, adults. so what So what other, okay, sex, sex education. Fair. I think that's something that we can all get on board with, right? Mm-hmm. Both sides. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, I would need to think about this a bit more because no, no, I, okay. I think that's my, that's my first um, that's my first solution. People have also argued for, you know, contraception being available I'd free of charge. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So the birth control pill, condoms, okay. and so on being easy to access. And, and, that, um, and that's already going on that. in, with Planned Parenthood. They provide a lot of that within these communities. Yeah. But conserve the really, you know, far 
uh, right conservatives are also against that. Yes, they are. So I don't know if that's something that everybody can agree on, to be honest. Um, mm. But, you know, for young adults, uh, as far as it's not like children, you know, teenagers in high school, for young adults, I think most people can agree that they should have better access to contraception. No, no, like, to, like, like, actually, to make a point to kind of uh, rope into what Lady V said, mm-hmm. one point Corey kind of raised is like anything that will be political, since you know how this whole nation is divided, yeah, people won't be able to agree on anything. Coming back to what I said, and also going to what Lady V said, mm-hmm. one thing that could be done, and it's something many pro-life people are actually actively talking about, is what will be done in the pro rural world yes what should be done ideally is there needs to be like a series of ngos and non-profits mm-hmm. ideally primarily funded by many of these wealthy black people robert smith oprah and things okay. like that yeah which have a presence in many of these communities mm. and they help in different ways so, you know, they may help in being a, a resource bank where they would, you know, direct people, you know, to show that, like, you know, here's where you can go and get job training. Mm-hmm. Here's where you can go and get this resource, you know. Yeah. If you're a poor mom with just one kid, here are the resources you can go and get and not get. Because one thing I kind of find in this country, and yeah. this isn't just only the abortion issue, in many ways in this country, for you to be able to navigate things, yeah. It depends into the networks you're keyed into and yeah. the kind of information you have access to. And many of these communities sadly they don't have access. And and the thing well, is I mean Oprah it, is not gonna op- the fact that Oprah first of all, we're already spending Oprah's money. Yeah. She she hasn't decided to spend her money in this way. Yes. And even if she was funding such a program, that doesn't increase people's access to certain networks. So the fact that the matter is these things are privileged and it's not everybody that's going to have access to them Mm -hmm. because once everybody has access, it's no longer privileged. They're privileged for a reason. Like it's, it's only a certain, it's only the elite that have access to them and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's a basic level of, you know, social services that we can provide. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like I'm, I am firmly against the idea of just handing out things to people. People do not value things that they are given. Like they just hand it to them. Um, they also need to show that they are interested in, you know, improving their own situation. So I think there there should be help, but then there should also be, you know, personal um, investment in getting out of that situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you guys. What I'm getting here is that we, we don't really have any. I mean, outside of maybe the the idea of like more education with. Um, more more education sex education and all that which is not even is not guaranteed it'll work these kids have already have sex education and they're still out here in the street <laughs> what i'm hearing from both of you who happen to be are you would you consider yourself pro-life yeah and lady will consider her pro-life yes um i consider myself again I, I you can't call me pro-life just because of you know where i stand i, I I'm, I'm pro-choice up until viability um but what it sounds like is I don't think we've really wrapped our heads or like really fully wrapped our heads around the unintended consequences of what this of what this ruling will bring and how it will affect society. And, you know, may, maybe it won't affect society as bad as we think it is. 
and maybe it would. I guess we'll find out. But, but my thing is, I feel like a lot of you pro-lifers, I don't think you really, really thought out the the end goal here. What happens afterwards? What what happens but when... But what about the intentional consequences? Remember, like, you're, you're referring to the unintended consequences? Yes. Remember that there is a... Like, there's a whole big chunk of the intended consequences that we're also kind of ignoring. Because most abortions are actually... Um, done by I'm talking about by the numbers now. Mm-hmm. It's an elective procedure, typically by women who are married but just don't want to have an additional child. So yes. statistically speaking, yes, yes. So yes, it's going to have an impact in minority communities, but those minority communities are still a minority of abortions overall. Okay. So the intended consequence is that abortion will no longer be birth control okay. for people who know better. Like these are these are people who have access to all of the information and the resources that um, would allow them to not have un- unintended pregnancies. And they're just not doing that because they know that they have that option to have an abortion. So if you can already, you know, reduce the abortions that are happening by 60%, and that's an intended consequence. I think that's already a big, like, Away. consequence that we are kind of ignoring and, and that but yes, that's but that's assuming that they will react that way though you you, you also we're assuming that we're going to actually change behavior is what you're saying yes yes what okay. that's right that's an assumption okay it's an assumption. So, I so i think make, the unintended consequences mm-hmm. are actually a minority okay. of abortions to begin with okay fair so maybe that's not obscure the intended consequences actually the majority of uh, abortions happening today, yeah. and you're right about that. The 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 vast majority of abortions are by married people. I I True. didn't know that up until this came up. Um, married people that are not looking to have more kids. more kids. So in this case, let's just let's just think of this world. The married people start having more kids. It it could affect them financially, um, unless they go across state or they go and have one of these illegal abortions. Um, I think I think it's I think it's a stretch to assume that it's going to change people's behavior. Maybe over time, maybe long term, it may. But in yeah, the short term, in the short term, it's going to be a jolt to our society. No. but I, I don't. I, I want us to. I, I don't know if there are any other last one, words before one, we. But keep it brief because yes, yes, we don't have a lot of time. Yes, really brief. One one last quick thing to say is, we've talked about like you know how you know a third of black births end in abortion and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think one issue to do with abortion which we haven't yet really come to grips with is how and this is statistically proven this isn't some conspiracy yeah abortion has retarded the overall black population growth rate no it's and it's actually kind of and people have said that if things go at this rate that the black vote will become politically irrelevant by the end of the 2030s that no one would need the black votes for anything and you people can go and solve. So let's put it two ways. For people who might say that they're pro-choice, right? Mm -hmm. People should also weigh, and I'll just say this plainly, and it is just the truth. Mm -hmm. The way the black political structure is in this country is it depends on votes. Power for blacks doesn't come from an economic base. It comes from pure raw numbers and politics so if there is a diminishing black population base black politicians in congress are going to become unemployed soon 
that's a that's an interesting thing because you're you're right. Like I think they say even like the the Hispanic community is gonna definitely be taking over. Um, they, they have they already taken over? They already have taken over. What's the percentage right now? They're like maybe seventeen or eighteen. Wow, or something. And the black has kind of remained stagnant at thirteen percent. It's dropped to ten percent. Wow, that is that's, that's that's chilling. But then again, you have all these white white uh, savior wokesters that, no. that are going to comp- no, <laughs> no, 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 compensate. No, 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 not not even that. One thing I was actually going to say about the Hispanics also, mm-hmm. and this might be going into tangents. It's also why the whole term Hispanic. It, that's another story, story in its own. But all I'll just say is, it's a very amorphous term because they are white Hispanics. Yeah. And the Hispanics are as black as I am. Yeah, yeah, I know. I so, know. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But you're right about that. The effect on how how it has stunted the black population. It's pretty chilling. It really is chilling. And um, I don't know, man, but who's to say the people that get born... The black people that get born are still going to be able to vote. There's a lot of them that can't vote, True. you yeah. know, because of all, all sorts of issues. But I, I think I want to kind of, you know, put an end to this topic. We, we've really, really, we've explored, we've looked at the the pros, I'm sorry, the argument against. Um, I was going to touch on the arguments for, and I think Lady V already did some of that. So I'm just going to move on to the next topic here, which is um, mass shootings. Um there have been a series of mass shootings recently. Um, the most recent being, okay, what I have here in my notes is the Uvalde, Texas, Texas shooting. But there's, there's been the one Tulsa. after. There's been one after that, and the there Tulsa, was one before. and there was one before. There's a hospital. Uh, four people at a hospital, I believe. Was that that was the Tulsa, right? That was the black guy. The yes. Tulsa was yes. the black guy. Yes. Tulsa. Tulsa yes. was the black okay. guy. Where yeah. he was actually he was targeting one particular one, person yeah. but he ended up shooting people in the process <laughs> uvaldi was the one that really really got to everyone because it was kids yeah kids how many kids 21 kids 19 19 or so 19 kids and yeah. like two adults yes which was really really upsetting and what made it even more upsetting was that they said the cops dropped the ball yeah yeah for like almost an hour or so the cops didn't go in then do anything there were videos of parents trying to get in the cops won't let them get in um, there were even reports. I don't know how true it was that there were some cops that actually went there to get their own kids and got them out. Um, I think everyone can agree that there was a failing with the with the response by the police officers. I'm, it's not an easy job. Don't get me wrong; it's not an easy job, but there was a failing. But I want to talk about this gun debate because that's every time we have these things. We end up having these gun debates. And I'll be honest with you. When I hear of these mass shootings, yes, in the moment, I kind of feel, I, f- I feel it, especially when it's kids. It's you, kids, exactly. You feel it. Especially, but, especially if you have kids. Especially if you have kids. But here's the thing, right? How I felt it the last time we had a mass shooting that involved kids, my... You become desensitized. I'm, I'm a lot more desensitized compared to previous ones. Which goes to tell you that, I'm, for me, it's... it's I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It, it has. It's not going to really change anything in terms of how I feel about guns or how I feel about any of these other things. I do feel that mental, mental, um, mental health, mental health, is a big part of it. It's not the only factor. The access to guns is a big part of it too, and 
there's this debate online about whether we should come for the guns, restrict gun access, all these things. And then the Republicans on the other side, they, they, this is when they all of a sudden, they're all about mental health. and They all of a sudden care about mental health. And it, it never gets anywhere. It never gets anywhere. What ends up happening is that um, people buy more guns. Gun sales usually go up when these things happen. Um, the media has like a fanfare about it. And I think that in itself has a contagion effect. I think it does because whenever the first one happens, we always have like several more that happen after. It always, it, it seems to happen in series. So, so I think the effect of the media, we see it. I think it has a contagion effect for sure. Um, the whole idea of mental health, I do feel like America has a serious mental health problem. Um, and it's exacerbated by the fact that we have easy access to guns. The Uvalde shooter had just turned 18. And he had just purchased those guns. Now, some people have said that if we increase the age of you know, access to guns from 18 to 21, maybe we would have been able to avoid this. To be fair, there's a lot of these mass shootings that are by kids between 18 and 21. A good amount of them. 17, 18. Yes. Um, some people also talk about the type of gun. Um, there's a, a debate out there about automatic versus sem semi-automatic. Um, obviously, people don't really have access to automatics like that. Semi-automatics, though, was like a loophole where it's the gun doesn't shoot as fast as an automatic, but it still shoots pretty, pretty rapidly. Right. And... There's this, people have proposed that maybe we take semi-automatics off the market and reduce people's access to them. Here's the problem that people don't understand when it comes to guns in this country, and I want to make this really clear. Access, the Second Amendment, is the Second Amendment for a reason. It emboldens the population. And the reason why they put it there in the event that we have a tyrannical government. Uh, what's that term again? A small a militia? What was that term? Is there, there's something in, in the in the Second Amendment, something about militia. A, a, a well-regulated like, well militia. militia. Yeah. Essentially, it in the event that our government starts to overreach, the access to guns is supposed to give the people a sense of like control. Uh, control of the situation. Now, let me be clear. I don't care how, what kind of guns you have. We have no chance against the American government. If they if if in the in the weird event that they decided to turn on the people, we have zero chance compared Af to the kind of weaponry that the American government has. Afghanistan as and Vietnam would like to speak with you. As it at its disposal. Afghanistan and Vietnam would like to speak oh, with so you. Oh, so you think we do have a chance? Go, like, like. I mean, it'll be a long, a, drawn out, protracted. A conventional army mm -hmm. always looks dumb in front of a guerrilla army. Hmm. Because look at it this way. Yeah. Basically, the Vietnamese and recently the Taliban mm -hmm. defeated. They, they chased Americans away. Exactly, but it came at the cost of a lot of a True. lot of dead Afghans. But but yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of dead but, Afghans. But you should also consider something. Yeah, what percentage of the U.S. military 
will be willing to begin to turn on his people. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. Fair point. But the the point I'm trying to make is that there is no way people are going to give up guns. There's no way people are going to give up the yeah. semi-automatics. Yeah. I'll even add something. I'll add something. Even if the Second Amendment is repealed tomorrow, yes, guns are not leaving this country. They're not leaving this country. We have more yeah. guns. Yeah. We have more guns. It's than a we ship. Have. It's a ship that has sailed. It has sailed. It's I, a ship I want that people has to sailed. understand this. We have more guns than we have people. Yeah. So even if you people were turning guns, there are going to be people that end up not turning in their guns, mm-hmm. and then all that makes mm-hmm. you is a sitting duck. So, as far as gun legislation goes and prohibiting, um, like the sale of guns. I think that ship has sailed. However, are there things that, what I want to talk about here is, are there things that we can do in regards to avoiding some of these situations? Like these kids that just graduated high school and, you know, teenagers, you know, they have a lot of teen angst. They are much more likely, as we've seen with the stats, to be the ones to go out there, People, kids that get bullied in retaliation, they're, they're more likely to go out there and go, on mass shooting sprees. Is there something we can do? Maybe we can change the age. Is there, is there, is, are there, and Lady V, I, I would like to hear from you on this matter. And you just give your general response on, 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 on what you think about these mass shootings. I know you don't live in the United States, but just from an outsider, I'm curious, what do you think? Um, I think just along with the rest of the world, we look at what happens in the U.S. and we think, you know, there must be something deeply wrong in that country. Um, but, you know, the more and more I've started to read about um, the arguments on both sides of the gun debate and look into the actual cases of mass shootings, um, the more I think, you know, it's not, people tend to paint it as though this is a problem that's isolated to the U.S., but I think it's a broader problem, just disenfranchised youth and specifically young men because i think almost all mass shootings are, are perpetrated by young men, men yeah by young men and um this is not an isolated problem like all over the world you have young men who are disenfranchised disconnected from society that you know lash out um if it's not a mass shooting it's a terrorist attack if it's not a terrorist attack it's you know people um joining uh rebel groups I and see, so on and so forth there are young men uh who are caught up uh, caught up from society who become a threat to society and that's a big problem um i think in the us it has just uh, happened to manifest itself in this particular way mm. um i think there are definitely things that could be done to um reduce the incidence of it. I think it will be very difficult to do that. But I think more needs to actually be done to tackle it when it happens. Like we already know that this problem exists. What can you do to protect children in particular so that when it does happen, you minimize the casualties? I don't think that enough has been done so, to, do, so to, to do that. I'm, I just And I'm glad you mentioned that one of the proposals is to make these soft targets, they call them soft targets. Soft targets are places like schools to make them not soft targets anymore. And one way that some people have proposed is by arming teachers. What do you think about that? Um, arming teachers means you would train them, correct? So you're training them yes. in order to be like the first responder. Yes. Um, I think that could that could be one solution. But I also wonder whether maybe it's not better to have like 
sec- armed security, armed security. Exactly. on the premises rather than the teacher. Because bringing the, the gun into the classroom is also dangerous, right? Like the, yes. the students within the class could also overpower the teacher, mm-hmm. get access to their gun. So I think it's probably better to maybe have armed security at the perimeter, like the entry points of the school to begin with. And then- um, but then to also train the teachers to also be a first responder to make sure that they have like defense um, training, yeah, they, they um, have crisis a lot of that, management so. training. They have a lot of that already in place. Okay, um, then that's great. But so, so what it's sounding like is almost like we're going to turn, like the idea of turning our schools into these, uh, like you get there and it's like, it looks like a paramilitary <laughs> outfit, like where you see people with guns. No, isn't that, no isn't, doesn't that do something psychologically to the kids going in there where they're having, especially like whenever I hear of these schools where, um, before kids get into the school, they have to go through metal detectors. Metal detectors and to me, that's just just so. That's really psychologically. That's no, disarming. No, personally, a place where kids are supposed to learn and, and it's meant to be fun. Yes, and and people are having to go through these screens and they're these you know security guards walking around with with guns. Is no. that is that really what we want in in American society? Nope. And let me just add something um one thing i always hear about especially from people who like you know work in public schools is people many people who work in public schools say that they can clearly see everything that is wrong with american society and which is in the sense that you have kids who come from different backgrounds so kids without parents yeah kids whose parents fight all the time mm. kids who are on the streets mm. and basically not only are they do they have to act as teachers mm. they also have to act as, as people, people who counsel them who will be parents towards them so in a way you, you, you know, i'm glad you mentioned that you know what else is common among a lot of these mass shooters no um, no dads or broken homes yeah. yeah yeah broken so some of the common themes broken homes uh, a lot of them mental mental um mental illness illness and, like history of mental illness. Um, I think the only one that I found that didn't really have a history was the Vegas shooter, the one that was shooting from a hotel. That story is still a mystery to this it's day. A mi- no one understands. There, there's still no motive established. No one understands. But that that's just one of the rare ones. But most of them mental illness. Most of them young men, right? Um, what else is... What, what, what else are the common themes... I mean, th- those are like the main themes. You tend to be isolated. Like, Iso- not people with isolation. lots of friends. Isolation. Isolation. Um, so, but go on what no, you were saying. No, no, just like one, one other thing I would just say in general is I feel that in many ways, and this isn't, this isn't just like only the kids who go and shoot up schools. Yeah. Many people have a crisis of meaning in their lives, mm. even when yes when yes when it looks as if they are very you know adjusted uh, when yes when it feels looks like they're adjusted or they've achieved a lot or they have stable jobs because like i i'll continue to use this as an example to many people it looked like something very positive and people say that wow he's doing that he's putting his his mouth where his money is or however that term goes wow um you know that i believe it's on msnbc there is this reporter called is it nancy mace or something who decided to go to Ukraine? Nancy Grace. Sorry, Nancy Grace. Who, um, um, the black dude and the picture of him came out, you know, fully kitted up and everything. Oh, in of, Ukraine? Yes. Wait, the black dude? 
Oh, Michael yeah. Nance. Yes, yes. Oh, Michael yeah. Nance. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a lot of people were con- congratulating him at the time that, wow, he's really putting his mouth on his money is. Mm-hmm. To me, that thing is actually kind of sad. Why, why is it sad? To me, that looks like someone who is trying to find meaning in life. Meaning in life. Oh, yeah. oh, I see what you mean. I mean, but I mean, he is, he does happen to be like an ex-CIA agent. And I mean, I mean, the, the, the people on the right, I remember they clowned him too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I'm, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So, uh-huh. so you think there's a crisis of people trying to find meaning. Yeah. Do you also think perhaps America, I'm curious to hear what you think, Lady V. Maybe America is just a really violent country. It was founded on a violent no, insurrection, wasn't no. it? America, no. Let's, May, maybe let's there's something with here. our culture. No, no. Let's no. Let's be, be real here. Let's be honest there. I know that people would then try and twist this in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yes, violence has always been a part of this country. Let's, I mean, look at our video games. Let's be... No, no. Not even video games. Go back to the history of this country. Yeah. Because look, this country was basically founded... Basically, by taking on, is it the, the biggest empire in the world yes. at the time? Yes. And the truth is, even to be able to settle the country, you have to subjugate and, and you know, yeah. stamp your authority. So the truth of the matter is, no matter how it's viewed, violence in different ways mm-hmm. has been a part of this country. And I'll even go. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a cultural thing. Yes. And, 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 and we also consider, look at our look at our army and what they do around the world. True. The reason why America is one of the most influential countries in the world right now is because we have a very, very um, violent um, military industrial industrial complex complex. Mm -hmm. that goes around and pretty much has a gun to everyone's head. They they mess around. Pretty much, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's funny because someone was saying it the other day. I think it was on Clubhouse that I heard it. And I, I thought it was so profound. Um, they were like, you know, when 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 were when people were, you know, getting scared of the economy and inflation, and there was a pool that came in into the room, and they were like, "Look, nothing is happening to America, man." And they were like, "Why?" They were like, "Look, the American dollar is backed by," and the guy, the way the guy said it was like, "The American dollar is backed by an M16 to your noggin," pretty much. Nothing. Basically, what he was trying to imply was that there's nothing that's gonna like America can't fail because it doesn't matter. We are essentially the most feared country in the world, and as a result, like we we either gonna take it by force or <laughs> well, we eventually. So I guess I, again, I'm going on a tangent here, but the point I'm trying to make is that maybe this is just what america is maybe this is just our reality and maybe we can't escape it maybe these mass shootings are just part of our of our story and they're never going anywhere as depressing as that sounds i mean could that just be the case you know like i think that like if we think about it hard there are solutions to this and not just solutions only in terms of like you know carbon guns and things like that. There mm-hmm. are other solu- there are other so- solutions. If I like, I like to hope so. If, I like to hope that the solutions if, and all the above approach is taken. But I'll, I'll just kind of add something where you're saying about like you know the American reality and things like that. For lack of a better term, mm-hmm. um, 
Many aspects of U.S. history are deeply sanitized. Let's, I mean, let's put it that way, for for lack of a better term. And when you say deeply sanitized, you mean America has been behind a lot of atrocities? No, no. In the sense that, okay, let's even um put aside the conventional one everyone knows about slavery. Mm-hmm. Let's even let's even put that aside. Yeah. But let's just even talk about things like the quality, um, the you know rather the character. Of the kind of people who have been presidents. Yes. The history of. Let's talk about it. Corruption. Wake it up. Ah. Wake it up. Um, the history of corruption and things like that. The yeah. Tr- the truth is, in 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 one way or another, since the inception of this country. Yeah. Th- things like that have gone on. So, like the whole i uh, the whole idea of. Things have always been clean in this country. Doesn't necessarily mean look. I mean, but we look. know we know that already now. We know that it's yeah. not. Yeah, we know it, it's exactly. Th- that's what I'm saying, and I'm and I'm turning back to what you are saying. That yeah, basically, maybe people would finally begin waking up that okay, there are some realities and things which have always not, which have always been around for a long time. Yeah, maybe you know with how technology has progressed, prosperity. Those things seem to have been masked, and you know, it seems as if things can't happen here. But this is how things have always been. Maybe just this is just how things are. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, when you say this is how things have always been, are you just saying, broadly speaking, there are things that. Mm. Same thing. Bad senator, don't worry. No, but, but keep going, keep going. Um, so let's I wanna I want us to get back on this gun thing. Let's 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 try to um center it on hold on. Share. Uh how do I share it again? Participants invite copy invite link. Send it. I'll send it to her. Yeah, we're not going to. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. All right. Copy. All right, she'll be coming on soon. Okay. Yeah. One second. She'll be here any minute. Admit. All right. Yeah, Lady V, sorry about that. Are you there? Okay, are you there? Yes, we hear you loud and clear. All right, I was caught off just in the middle of what I was saying. Yeah. Um. Um. I was. I think I was asking to be a question because it sounds like you're saying oh, bad things happen in America. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Um. But I mean, mass shootings have not always happened in America. Yeah. Um. Really. And I. Yeah, like it, it's it only started to it only started to happen quite recently, you know. I don't think it's like something that's always happened. It doesn't always happen. We, um, we, we did have the Col- the Columbine shooting, right? That was yeah. early two thousand. Yeah, but, exactly. But like Columbine on, was when it kind of started. On okay. The longer. Okay, so you think there's something going on, like in the recent decades, that's maybe yes. exacerbating I, this? I, I don't think it's limited to America, like I said before. 
I think what is happening is we, we're having a rise of terrorism. This is domestic terrorism. Yeah. That's what is happening. And I don't think we should also limit it to shootings. You know, there are people who also go out and run people over with cars. I yes. think there was a, a case of that happening recently. So mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's just a question of why is there a rise of uh, extremism and a rise of terrorism around the world? And what can we do about that? I don't think that we'll have a situation, at least in the short term, where we can eliminate it. Like, how do you fight terrorism, right? It's it's an intractable problem. It's one of those um, big problems that, you know, are kind of almost impossible to solve. The question is, how, you, how do you deal with it more effectively? Um, make the terrorists less effective, um, reduce the casualties, and then at the same time, you're also trying to play the long game to minimize the drivers of like the social problems that are giving rise to yeah. those terrorists, to creating the terrorists. One. So no. so 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 one of those would be the rising inequality between the rich and the poor, which we're seeing everywhere. Um and it's not getting any better. And and, and I'm I'm glad that you brought that up, Lady V, because even in Nigeria we're seeing more and more instances of like these extrajudicial killings. True. Like recently you had the Deborah uh, Samuels mm-hmm. who got killed, yeah. got burned. Yes, by, um, is it um, for blasphemy? Or something? Yeah, for blasphemy. We're seeing a lot of these all over the world. It's happening in Nigeria. There was another one that happened recently in Nigeria of someone that got killed too. Um, so, it's I I never really thought of it that way, but may, maybe Lady V is onto something here. Maybe this has something to do with more and more men, uh, young men in society being disillusioned, being forgotten, being disenfranchised, and um, I guess my question would be, how do we, how do we solve that issue? Because it it's a real thing in America, for instance, um, whether we like it or not. The I think the most disenfranchised person in this country, and this might sound controversial, would be a poor white, a poor white man, a poor white young yeah. man. Yeah, the, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll say yeah. that that there's kind of, there's kind of truth to that. In a sense, there is truth to that for one reason. It doesn't fit people's um um stereotype or archetype of who they would think is the most disenfranchised so, person. So there, 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 there is some truth. I would say that there's actually some truth to that. But so, so how how would we solve that? Let let, let no. so, so so let's not even look around the world. Let's just look in America, Lady V. I'm curious. How would you address that kind of situation? Are, are we are we saying that we have to start providing these men, start doing outreaches to these men, and providing more opportunities? Like, well, how exactly do we even where where do we even begin? Um, I think the answer lies in the what you pointed out a little earlier which is that you can almost predict when you hear about these um, mass shootings or attacks you can almost predict the profile of the perpetrator um someone who's isolated who's um, a young man probably doesn't have a job has a history of mental illness um has a broken home and so on and so forth so the answer to why they are doing what they're doing is in that profile. And I think part of it comes back to the family. 
I think the U.S. has um, moved away by and large from um, protecting the structure of the nuclear family. And, you know, it's, it's not something that is, you know, a high priority in terms of the political agenda anymore. I'll, I'll, um, I'll add something here really quickly. This is, this is very key, and it kind of ties back into the whole thing we're saying about rule versus Wade. Obviously, everyone knows that since the year 2016, the whole political consensus in this country for like the past 30 to 40 years has, has come under very serious challenge even on both the political left and the political right. And for example, on the American political right, some of those who are who are challenging the consensus of the past 30 to 40 years, one of the key areas which they actually say they want to implement if they should ever regain power is family policy. Okay. That, they, that they want to go head on aggressively into subsidizing family formation, mm. which kind of comes back to what I was saying about Roe v. Wade, mm. that one of the things also been spoken about in such circles is Roe v. Wade might go, but what will be done to support families? Mm. So yes, as of right now, there might be no enacted laws, but there are people who are very like seriously talking about it. Seriously talking about that family policy must be at the center but of But I don't think I don't think it needs to even be like a top-down policy. I think political movements don't necessarily need to be or you wait for a congress to put forward like a, a bill. Um people can start their own grassroots political movements, True. community True. movements to strengthen the family unit. And I think people that are interested in doing that need to, you know, be more proactive about doing it from the bottom up as opposed to waiting for the state to do it or the federal government to do it. Um, And I think it's more effective when it comes from the bottom up, actually, with something like this, because the family is a bottom up institution. Family is not like a governmental institution. It's it's like literally the lowest, um, not the lowest, but like the the smallest. The most basic. The most basic thing. Bedrock of society. You know, I'm, yeah. and I'm glad we finally arrived because this is, uh, this, I've, like this whole time, I wanted us to eventually arrive at this. All roots come back to the family, the institution of the family. And you're right. I think it's, fa- family institutions have been, eroded, have been getting eroded with all sorts of policies. The fact remains today that right now, the only party that's standing up for like, family and stuff like that mm-hmm. is the republicans mm-hmm. i'm i don't again i'm not a republican mm-hmm. i'm not on board with all their policies mm-hmm. but they are the only ones when i look at someone like governor DeSantis and i see the things that he's doing and i'm seeing how it can impact families in our societies mm-hmm. they're the only ones doing anything mm-hmm. on the other hand you have the democratic party mm-hmm. that are doing the complete opposite mm-hmm. um they are i mean you have elements within that within that party that are that have even directly said elements like BLM that have directly said that they want to undo the family, the family in America. And I'm telling you, I'm glad you guys brought it up because I don't care where you stand on the spectrum politically. This all roads lead to this issue. Family in America. Everything comes back to 
people that are broken, people that are hurt. Hurt people do hurt people. And what yes. ends up happening is all these people that, you know, they don't have strong um, influences in their lives. They, they're either missing their dad, they're missing their mom, you know, they end up, a lot of them end up being very dysfunctional. And uh, there are even some families that are already dysfunctional already. I mean, like, as it is. Mm-hmm. So I think everything comes back to this particular issue that we have in society today where um, families are no longer prioritized by certain groups of people. Um, they want to do away with it. Um, I, I, I also feel like that you have a lot of these policies that are in favor of like um, the LGBT community, for instance. Um, now, some people will say that the LGBT, LGBT community, they could also have families too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is kind of like a deviation, but like, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on the effect of LGBTQ policies in America right now? I mean, like, one thing I'll just say about the whole LGBTQ thing, and there are many ways to look at it, is the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. has morphed, and people might disagree with this, yeah. from just wanting general acceptance like everyone else to becoming very militant. And I would just say that if care isn't taken that might kind of have the effect of eroding, you know, sympathy and things like that. For them. Yes, because like... Do you think it's already happening? I I suspect it's already might. I suspect it might be. I, I think I think the 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 trans... Yeah, uh, no, and... The trans stuff, I think it's it's going to have the opposite effect. I find even people in the LGBT yeah, community uh, are, question, question are questioning this inclusion of Trans. the T. Yeah. Um, of the T. And yeah. I, I think the problem is is not just about, you know, what it is they're saying, but how they're saying it too. Because it, it appears that the rights that they're fighting for mm-hmm. are, they're fighting for those rights at the expense of the bond between parents and their children. Mm. They're essentially pushing this idea that the LGBTQ communities know, knows what's better for children than their own parents, which is why the parental rights bill was passed in, in Florida, in Florida. Right? The, what they call the don't say gay bill. It was basically re, um, buttressing that parental rights yeah. to know what's going on with their children and yeah. to have a say, because what the trans activists have been pushing is that children should have the right to decide what they want to do with their bodies, regardless of what their parents want. And they should be able to go to their teachers first rather than going to, going to their parents and in secret as well. Like the teachers shouldn't uh, have the right. So that's like directly undermining from a very young age, the yeah. bond between a parent and their child, which then kind of decimates the family structure right at the root. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like one thing, thing I, like personally, I'll just say about the whole, um, you know, um, the whole so-called "Don't Say Gay" bill, mm-hmm. which is titled the Florida, the Florida Parental yeah. Rights, then is one thing which many LGBT pe- LGBTQ people should reconsider. Mm-hmm. Really, is I kind of feel that it's kind of bad form when it looks like you know 
teachers who identify with that community are insistent yeah. that we must, like, you know, make sure kids know about this thing. Adopt, yeah. Because, obviously, when things like that come up, that's when people automatically become defensive and ask, like, you know, yeah. why, like, you know, why must you tell the kids this mm-hmm. and that? And Exactly. I feel that if the LGBTQ um, community isn't careful, things like that run the risk of eroding public support and for it yeah do you do you i'm just i'm just curious do you think because i think about this all the time i was in favor of um and again this is this is a completely separate topic now we didn't even plan this topic so this we're not trying to blame lgbtq for the gun issues in america yeah yeah, this is just this is completely separate but do you think america made an error because i was in favor of it do you think we made an error when we legalized gay marriage? Lady V, I'm curious. Um, I would say yes. I would do, say yes. Do, do you think um, perhaps think that, that that opened... Because a lot of the fears back then was that this was going to open the gates for, different things. for all different yeah. sorts of things. And now yeah. some of these things are manifesting, let's be honest. But sorry, go ahead, go ahead Lady mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was definitely the beginning of a slippery slope. Um, and the, the bottom of that slippery slope is where we're coming towards now. Um, children being transitioned. And there are actually some people that are not arguing that um, people who are attracted to children should also be True. included uh, under this umbrella of LGBT. Minor attracted yeah. persons. That's uh. what they're calling pedophiles now. Um, so it's a, it's a slippery slope. The thing is, when you start to push for acceptance of something that most people see as um, a de- like deviant behavior, then you start to widen the umbrella of what deviant behavior, or sorry, you start to narrow the umbrella of what deviant behavior means. And that's what's going on right now. Um, fewer and fewer things are being seen as deviant. We're normalizing everything. Yeah. And it all started with normalizing um, uh, LGBTQ relations by legalizing the marriage. Um, I think if if it had just been a matter of like acceptance of what people do behind closed doors, like yes. do what you want to do, yes, I think that would have been a completely different situation. Yeah. I don't think we would have gotten to where we are today. Yeah. But the legalization then made it like okay, if gay people can get the rights, then people are like okay, everybody else can as yeah. well. Yeah, and and I want people to understand that when it comes to the reason why. Um, marriage was such a contentious issue at the time. And and looking back now, I, I'm starting to understand why people were against it. Again, I'm not saying I would roll that back necessarily. I think, the, you know, the it's, it's too late. The boat has sailed on that. But the reason why was because we knew in society that marriage was an institution that the government had uh, an incentive to want to boost marriages and families. Because they we all understood that you know, the bedrock of our societies were these families. And the more thriving families that we had, the more um, better society. Uh, well-adjusted families that we had, the better kids were raised as a result, on average, for the most part. And this tend, tend to have an effect on the economy, a positive effect on the economy. So a lot of our national interests were always tied into this. And I think what happened when we... Um, we accepted gay marriage was that 
it it's sort of it's sort of I don't want to say cheapened because cheapened sounds bad, but I mean I can't think of any other any other word. It 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 stopped because it's not like we we necessarily expected gay people to be the ones to uh, raise. The I guess you can say it diluted. Can yeah, it, diluted? yeah, diluted. Diluted is a better word. It kind of diluted the importance of you know marriage in our society and i know this is a very controversial I'm, thing to I'm say in. and and full disclosure full disclosure i will say it i happen to have relatives that are of the lgbt community and i know that they'll probably be pissed and very disappointed to hear me say this but i i think it has this is the one this is the courageous part so i think we have i think you just have to come out and say it i think this that legislation that passed i think it eroded um our our family values in America. I I I think it did, I'm, and and I, I don't know what else how I, else to put it, but I, mean, I, I think it did. I mean, one thing I would say about what Curry just said is, and this might kind of sound surprising to some people. Um, hearing me saying this, I wouldn't necessarily put the burden on the on the legalization of same sex marriage. You wouldn't because. I would argue that, like, the general family in general, people getting married mm-hmm. and things like that, had already been in shambles <laughs> for prior to that for decades mm. before that. Let's talk about it. It had already been in shambles for decades, particularly within the black community, right? Not just the black community, all communities it, in, it, in general. The divorce rates were already going up already. Yeah, yeah, like. Like family issues had already been in shambles for a long time, but let me just say this: you know, with the whole thing about like you know, right, slip, this whole slippery slope argument and and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'll tend to agree that yes, this whole thing in some ways came at the cost of some rights. That's I mean that's just wait wait you said this whole thing no 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 like like um. When the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage, yeah, it came at the expense of of um some other rights. Oh, well, other rights like what? Let's look at the whole thing about r- religious freedoms. Mm. Like since since like mm. since the whole thing was was legalized, You've been having all these challenges. Many of all these religious freedom suits, in one way or the other, other yeah. have to do with you know whether it's a baker, whether it's a school, whether it's He's being forced yeah. to um so so to like make a cake for yes, a gay couple or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So think so just things in that direction. Um but 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 do you think it was still worth it giving gay people the ability to to marry just like everyone else? Cuz I think it it comes down to the idea of equality, right? Which is which is ultimately what the forefathers wanted. I mean, right? I mean, they they said they wanted us to, you know, all men are, created are, created yes, equal. Yes, all men are created equal, and that was like you know the the main thing. Yeah, that was used to advocate, argue, and things like that. I mean, which is why I was in favor no, of it. No, no, at the time. I mean, there's a good argument on that side, mm-hmm. but what we're also forgetting is that when you're talking about rights, you also have responsibilities on the flip side, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't have rights that infringe on other people's rights. The party that has been completely ignored in this discussion is the children. We know that a heterosexual couple, the father and the mother, 
provide the best environment for a child to grow up in. So when you give gay people the right to marry and have children, that is already um, creating a less than optimal environment for children to grow up in. And that's a problem. That's a good point. Right? So it, yes, I mean, there's a good argument to say that oh, they should have the same rights as everybody else. But at whose expense? At the expense of the children. That's a good point. I mean, it, but now is that is that a fact that um, heterosexual couple is the most optimal compared to a homosexual couple? Is that is has that been established? No. I mean, I I mean, if you asked me, I would say yes. But has that been factually, scientifically proven so far, or statistically proven, Lady V? Yeah, there's research to back this up. There's research back up. I, I I can't remember the studies right now, but I know I've seen studies about um, two parent homes as compared to single parent homes. And and um, and, and they did the distinction between the homosexual and and heterosexual parents. They, yeah, I'm trying. I'm fi- trying to find it. I'm finding it hard to remember whether there's. I've seen a study that compares uh, two parents of the same sex and two parents of the opposite sex. But you know the reason why you would have a dearth of research in that area is because of the strength of the LGBTQ lobby. Lobbyists, they, yeah. they would not, um, first of all, researchers would be low to go into that area scared. of research. Mm-hmm. And then even if there were results, the LGBTQ organizations would suppress the results. So that, that's another thing to, yeah. I mean, true. but we do, do know that, you know, when a father yeah. and the mother are raising a child, they bring two different things to the development of that child like the research is there that tells you at different stages of development this is what the child needs from the mother Mm -hmm. and this is what the child needs from the father so obviously it stands to reason that if you have two fathers or two mothers Mm -hmm. the child is not getting that balance that's that's a fact i i think i think again i I don't have any stats in front of me but i think that's a reasonable assumption to make toby did you I mean, like, what I would actually say is, like, most probably um, the current research kind of, like, trends in that direction. But, like, the truth about the matter and the pure fact and the reality is mm-hmm. we s- there is still a lot that's to be seen. Because, okay, here is the, is, is the, re- here is the reality. LGBTQ people mm-hmm. have been around for millennia. Oh, yeah. They've, they've been, always been around. They've been around for millennia. Mm-hmm. Now, the main thing which really has kind of changed mm-hmm. is the greater acceptance of. and prominence in public and how people have tried to, um, like, you know, include them in things like having families yes. and things like that. And the truth about the matter is, since this is something which hasn't been done on this scale yeah. for a very long time, it still might be too early. Too early to, to, to kind of... To, like, like, say that we have definite 100% conclusions, even though some research might be trending in the direction of... Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. I see what you mean. Like, we don't have... There, there isn't enough... Like, the, the, the period that gay marriage has been in existence is still, is still too short to, like... 20 years. Yeah, to really see what the effects may or may not have been. But let me ask you something, though. Do you think that the... That legislation of gay marriage, do you think this may have also had an effect on the contagion effect, so to speak, of of gay people in society? Meaning, 
So I was looking at the study the other day. They were like, they were looking at like over time, or they were looking at what was it? Oh, I forgot what it was. They were looking. At, oh, sorry, they were looking at the different generations of Americans, and they saw that let's say like the boomer generation, there was like a certain percentage of them that were identified as gay or trans, or you know LGBT, and then it, it almost like for every generation, it just kept doubling. And it kept doubling up until the point that it got to the Gen Zers, right? Uh-huh. And the Gen Zers, like they're almost like 20%. Lady V, I don't know if you've seen this study. But yeah. now there's an implication that there's there's almost 20% of, no. of, of, of this generation that are LGBT. Now, I'm not going to, this is not to fear monk or anything, but if, if are we saying that there, are, there have been far more LGBT people in our society that maybe they were just in the closet or do you think that there has been a social contagion of people identifying as lgbt i mean uh, wait, hold on I, I would like to get ladies v's okay. perspective on this um i mean the simple fact of the matter is that um same-sex attraction does not further the goal of reproduction in the first place which is to propagate the species yes so I mean, it's, I guess it's possible that naturally you could have that um, um, diversion from, you know, the normal um, heterosexual attraction, but how likely is it that you have such a high incidence of it naturally? The more likely explanation is that there is some social and environmental factors that are contributing to the growth of it. Because like, what, what advantage does it have, yeah. naturally speaking, for the propagation of our species to have such a high incidence of same-sex attraction. It doesn't serve any purpose, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and I don't know if you guys are seeing, but a lot of people have been sounding the alarm on our population. They're saying that, ooh, the fact that, especially in the West, there are a lot less people having kids. Yeah. And that can have devastating effects yeah. on us in the future, even just looking at our social security, for instance, yeah. it, it's bound to, um, it's bound to fall like a deck of cards. If, if we continue at this rate, um, and we don't have enough people to, to, the government is taking. I'm sorry. Who's going to pay back all the loans that the government is That's taking? That's the thing. The less population we have, the, the more, uh, the less consumers, less the less, like it has a really, really serious effect. And here I was thinking that the world may be too overpopulated. Turns out that we may not actually be ha- be having enough kids right now, and there are a lot of countries that have really been trying to work against this, um, that are trying to like, you know, turn turn things back. Um, I know there's some people that have introduced legislation even here in the U.S. in certain states where they they're really trying to promote people having more kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a big part of this uh, Roe v. Wade push too was driven by that. Mm-hmm. According to some conservative think tanks, like these are some that they actually really thought thought through that they were like, look, you know, especially in the white community, like those ones, they're not even their population has been diminishing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I personally think there is definitely some social contagion going on. I, I think there is. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't have any scientific facts to back it up. I do think that there. There are some people that are claiming to be LGBT that naturally may not have, but because there is a sort of like a social, um, um, uh, gra- uh, 
gratifications or pressure or no, I wouldn't even say pressure. There's like a re- there's like a reward that comes from coming out mm-hmm. as LGBT. You see, people are celebrated. I think that that I may mean, have an effect. I mean, like on us. Like like one thing I would, I would actually say, and this is just my question, and this is specifically in for the whole trans thing. What happens like the whole um, concept of being like a tomboy? What happens? Yeah, because okay, look at it this way: the whole thing about um, the whole tomboy then is where you have young girls, yeah, who normally do activities, you know, yeah, that um, boys and men normally do. Maybe they might even kind of like you know dress like men at times and things like that. Yeah, and th- and the way that thing normally happens is. It happens for a period of time, you know, maybe between when they're like, you know, 12, 13 yeah. and like And sometimes 18. it goes away. Ex- exactly. So like, here is the main thing. With the whole trans thing, mm-hmm. if a girl is seen as a tomboy, yeah, and she's just only a, a tomboy and necessarily, you know, doesn't have any gender yeah, dysphoria you, or, you're, you're saying or she's, anything. she's likely to get tr- um, pressured into exactly. identifying as trans. Exactly. Yeah, I think that happens too. And there, there have been cases of that, of a lot of cases of that. Actually, a lot of cases where it was kids that were just gay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they felt this pressure to be trans because, of course, they were exposed to this ideology. Mm-hmm. And they found that a lot of them usually wind up regretting it um i don't want to get too deep into the trans thing because you know that trans stuff is very 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 sensitive <laughs> this is a very sensitive topic and, and, I, and I honestly uh, these days when i hear people like trying to like debate trans i just opt out of it I, I don't i don't even want to even acknowledge no i'm saying i don't want to acknowledge trans people mm-hmm. as a grown adult you're allowed to do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. but when it comes to the kids eh? Look, I'm not even going to acknowledge you. I'm not even going <laughs> to honor you with the response. Because to me, it's just madness. People that, w- as adults, we don't even, our brains aren't fully formed till we're 25. And the idea that you think that you can somehow um, empower the government or empower schools to, like, uh, be accepting of kids wanting to identify as a... I mean, look, as a, here is mine. To me, it's, it's madness. No, no. This is... No, no, this this is, it, it is. This is peak no, madness. No. And for me, th- this is when I really started to, when I started seeing these things and I started seeing people like really trying to make arguments for them. You see all these woke stars trying to make arguments. That was when I had to reflect and I had to think, wait, how, how do we get here? And everything led me back to the moment we legalized gay marriage. Because yep. these were the arguments that were being made against it back then. And I remember thinking, you guys are tripping, man. I, 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 I remember thinking that, like, you guys are tripping. But here we are. No, please. Here we are. Let me, no, 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 let me finish. Do, do you, did you notice, okay, we're in Pride Month, right, Lady mm-hmm. E? Did you see how many companies were putting up flags? Like, 20 years ago, I never would have imagined. The, the Navy. The Marines, you know, the U.S. Army. I mean, there, I was, there was there was one image I saw of a helmet and yes, the LGBT yes. um, colors on the helmet. It has be, It's almost we're celebrating this. We're celebrating this, and then now it's they have the trans flag now, and it's like I keep wondering how did we wind up here? How everything comes, everything traces right back. 
to that legislation. And again, I, I think it's too late to walk that back. I don't think we're ever going to walk that back. However, where I draw the line is kids is transitioning for kids. I, like they, there's no argument. I, I told you, I didn't want, I don't even engage in those arguments anymore. It to me is madness. That's where I draw the line when it comes to um, even the idea of kids identifying as a from a young age as like like identifying their sexual preferences to me is Pronouncing. madness. Right now, right there's a there's a I don't know if you've heard of it. There's a show out there of kids drag drag kids. Yep, yep. I think I saw the video clip yesterday. Or several, there's several actually. Uh, there are several generation drag. Um, Drag kids. Yeah, there's several of these shows on different streaming networks. Like, how did we end up here? We like we've completely lost the plot. I'm telling you, America is going in two different directions. I'm telling you, and that direction is not a direction I'm not, I'm going in. And it, it's it's unfortunate because I happen to live in a really really liberal liberal state. We both happen to live in really liberal states. But this is one of those things that can make me up and leave. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if schools start trying to come up with all these lessons and trying to expose our kids to this, that's where I draw the line. That is where no. I, I absolutely cannot, like, what? No, one thing One thing I'll just quickly say, and I'll say this for everyone out there, is even if people, like, you know, support the whole trans thing and everything. As an adult, I support. No, do what you want to do. No, 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 people should, like, seriously consider this and I can see it happening the right in this country might rea might finally react in the way people caricature the right because today like in a violent way I'm not me no, I'm not calling no, for violence no, 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 so that's no, not what I'm no, calling no, no, for no. not in a violent way but let me put it like this today what many people, okay, don't let me say many, but let me say quite a number of influential people on the American rights today. I read all these journals, whether it's on the right or the left, and I know all the things they're saying. Yeah, they openly talk about the language of counter-revolution. Openly. Saying that, they, that in many ways, they no longer consider themselves conservatives, that what is needed is a counter-revolution. And these people are dead serious. And if people are not paying attention, do not be surprised if by 2024, for example, a new Republican government should come in and they go on a very systemic purge, both in the public and private sector. I will just leave it there. Because many people on the right are saying that this whole thing they are not taking the direction in which things are going. I don't like the direction in which the country is going either. No, I don't. No, but I really don't. No, but but our Zoom is about to time out again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lady V. I don't know if you're. I, you probably have other things to do. Um, yeah, I just need to go to bed. Yes, <laughs> yes. But can you just can you just give me your fi final words? I have about three minutes here left on this on this clock. Um. Just, just on on, on whatever whatever we discussed today, I know we kind of we went all over the place, but uh, your parting yeah. words, please. 
Yeah, so I think um, there's definitely a culture war raging in the U.S. Um, and it's captivated the rest of the world because I think whatever happens in the U.S. kind of moves the needle elsewhere. It does. Um, the U.S. supported its culture very effectively around the world. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're all watching to see what happens. I do hope that common sense wins out at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's like the more left uh, the progressives go, the farther right that the conservatives go, you know, the pendulum kind of swings equally far um, yeah. in the in both directions. So we just need people to start coming back towards the center, center. honestly, um, because we the far right and the far left are just as, are just as bad as each other. People tend to see the far right as bad and the far left as good, because they feel the far left is like for equality yeah. and you know, equal. The progressive society is what they say exactly. When you hear progressive, you're thinking, oh, that's fantastic. But we've seen what happens when you have a communist government. Like, we know what happens. Um, and it's not good. So I think we all need to come back to the center, come back to common sense. And that common sense also goes back to the, the Amber and um, Depp case yeah. as well. Yeah. It's also common sense there. Like, innocent until proven guilty, you know? Um, but the Roe v. Wade question to common sense, like, Let's try to move away from you know extreme positions at least at the national level, yes. and let people in their own communities like come to some agreement. States, and watch it. I I, I agree. Should. I I don't mind states yeah. deciding. Yeah, yeah. So let's have the debates. I don't think the debate ever happened when Ruby Wade happened. So now is the time. Let's have the debates at local level and let people come to some common sense agreements on how yeah. their lives should go. Yeah. So that those are my final words. Yeah. But great what? discussion. Okay, all right. I I appreciate that. Uh, me and Toby, we're we're gonna keep going because there's still some other okay. stuff <laughs> politically related that we, we we need to touch on. But I appreciate you coming on, uh, Lady V. Um, and um, I guess uh, I'll catch you whenever whenever. Again, you're always welcome on the Courageous Pod, man. I appreciate your perspectives. Thank you, Lady um, V. Thanks. So, um, thanks, too. Toby. You're about to say, and it's about to cut off. So, just in case it cuts off, you already know what happened, but. Toby, go ahead. You're about to say something. Yeah, I mean, just like going back on what I said, mm-hmm. is that in many ways, people have always had a caricatured um, um, version of what the right is. Yeah. And what many people do not really understand, for a second, forget that Donald Trump is a thin. Yeah. Allow him to do his thin in his, in his Mar-a-Lago down there. <laughs> there actually are people on the right who basically have said that, leave Trump on his, on his own. Mm-hmm. Who basically are saying that things that the rules of the game must change and they openly talk in the language of counter-revolution and even um magazines some magazines have called them quote-unquote right-wing leninist okay meaning that what they want to do is they no longer see their role as saying that, you know, let's all play by the rules mm-hmm. for going on an offensive. And I'm kind of conflicted about how that can that can play out. I mean, what what that's sounding like is civil war. Like no, no, the path of civil war. No, not necessarily civil Counter-revolution. No, no, not necessarily civil war. It's things as simple as finding ways of seizing control of key um, institutions in society. What do you think happens when that happens? When, when we start to seize these things, when the right starts to seize, comes into power and starts to, you know, you know, power corrupts. 
and, that, that, and they that all is why I said they, that they both have a tendency to go overboard. That is why I said that uh, I, am, I am I am very extremely iffy. I I think I'll be honest with you, Toby. I think we're on a crash course. I I truly think so. And I know America is the one that's always predicting all these countries that are going to get into <laughs> civil war. I think they need to start looking at themselves. I think we need to start looking at ourselves and really observing where these culture wars are getting us. There are people that are becoming more and more unhinged. And radicalized. And radicalized. Um, I, I, I'm seeing people that were mainstream, you know, leftists before, and I'm hearing some of the rhetoric coming out of their mouths. And it's scary. And it's like we're starting to realize that there are two Americas. We are truly going in two I opposite mean, directions. We're, we're living in two realities. And I don't think it's sustainable. One thing I would say that might pull things back is something needs to be done in controlling the levers that disseminate information. And I know people people get very touchy when you say this. But the truth about the matter the truth of the matter is many like, you know, big tech and social media companies and traditional media companies haven't done a very good job mm. at keeping the whole country united. But I would Corey, I would also add something. Yeah. Another thing also where this whole thing is going, I was actually going to say this when Lady V was on, but I was yeah. able to say it is, ultimately, this system is actually going to burn out and then something new will be built. You mean our democratic no, no, system? No, no, not, not democracy itself. Obviously, the larger structure of the United States and its government will... Will, will remain intact? Will, will probably survive. Mm -hmm. But as how things go... Um, institutions have been built on top of it ultimately mm -hmm. are going to flame out and what replaces that I don't know and I don't know how that would look like because okay let's just you know take a look at the about the at the internet and news in the past yeah it was probably like you know three or four news stations yeah which everyone went to either looking for their news so those new stations were able to maintain the consensus in the country, yeah. able to make everyone, like, you know, have shared ideals, yeah. shared values. Yeah. Now... And the internet came about. Now, with the internet and the... Inter Information has officially been democratized. People still do not understand how disruptive this internet it is. It is a massive disruption. Massive disruption in the flow of information. Because look massive at disruption. Look it at has it. major consequences. This information is what America has used to topple governments. Yeah. So this idea that all of a sudden we we people that have access to the internet in America and it's not like like poor countries where it's like only a small minority of people have access. This is a very large populace that has access to information, that has access to upload information and, look and at, change no, people's look narratives. At, no, no. Look at it Twitter, is, for it example. It is a massive blow. Look at Twitter, for example. Yeah. If you are very good at producing content, yes. within a year, you, you can now. have a large following of people who listen to you. Okay, like... Yeah. Let me give a very good example of one account I follow a lot on the internet. This isn't related to the US, but it gives a very good idea. Mm -hmm. Anyone who is on African Twitter mm -hmm. would have come across a Nigerian account called Onye Inkuzi. T 
till mm. tomorrow, people do not know who this guy is. Mm. But Corey, the foreign policy analysis this guy gives is is Corey is mad. Corey, Corey, he will put the Nigerian Minister of Foreign Affairs to shame, uh, and, and, <laughs> and this. And that is just giving you an idea. And yeah. I am sure that people should go and look. Mm. That guy, just on his own, in whatever room he is in Lagos, mm. you know, just typing his thoughts, has probably influenced the direction of Nigerian public opinion. Just At least online. Yes, at least online mm. in the past four to five years. Now, mm. imagine a country like this one, whereby in the past... People who are professors who mm-hmm. write in the ivory tower, yeah, and people won't challenge. People now openly challenge them on Twitter and say, "You are wrong here. You are right here. Go away. Yeah, you are an emperor. We're, not, no we're not asleep anymore. Corey. This is the true woke era. Yes, we are awake, and now they, we have way too much information. And it's, it's, I guess, but it's also a matter of also being able to process it in the right way because it's the same way. You also have people that could also tweak the information in a way to you know for the worse mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying it's, it there's so much information that yes as much as it's good that it's being democratized that could also have its effects and i think we also have to recognize that but we don't really have a lot of time left my wife is already hitting me up okay. we're about to get ready for to to head out okay um before we do go though i do want to remind you guys please don't forget to hit the subscribe button the bell over there remember yeah hit that bell button uh please don't forget to like Follow, share, um, comment, and let us know what you think about what we said today. So, uh, thank you all. This is the Courageous Pod. Uh, thank thanks you. again, Toby, for coming through. Thank well, you. it's the Courageous slash Two Tobys two podcast. Tobys, yeah. um, I'm going to leave you with this track before we leave. Uh, this is a, a song called Dance Grenade. It's been, I love the track. It's called by Smug DJ and DJ Panther. So, check this out. Thank you all.
Oh, <laughs>